tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning and welcome to Tip Today this Friday morning. A busy three hours ahead coming up on this morning's show. We'll, of course, have Johnny Luby's weekly ramblings. Also, our primary school children in Tipperary taking drugs. One Tipperary counsellor says so. We'll be speaking to her later on. Also, young men top the list of the most dangerous users on the roads, according to new research. Nicola Bully, why the case of the missing woman in the UK is making headlines worldwide. Politicians on the move for St. Patrick's Day. Is it a vital networking opportunity or just a junket? We'll be speaking about that later. It's also one of the topics that will be unpicked by our Friday panel, which will be here with you between 11 and 12 this morning. So a busy morning ahead. If you want to make contact with us, Emma is standing by on the phones 1800 or you can text or WhatsApp 83311. Double three double one, and we'll be delighted to hear from you this morning. So, of course, it's Friday morning. So, who else are we going to talk to? Only Johnny Luby, who joins me live in studio today. Hiya, Johnny. Morning, Alice. Oh, jeez, I had the wrong one on. There you go. <laughs> Good morning, Alice. Now we can hear you. <laughs> That's some stuff. All stuff to be called in horse racing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Look, it uh, is a grand morning and hopefully we'll... It's all right. The weather doesn't look there. great for the weekend. No, though. it doesn't, but I, we, have two, we have two choices. Stay in or go out, one or the other. And what are you going is. to do? I'll, uh, I don't mind if it's missing and things like that. I don't like being cooked up all day long. Yeah. You know, we have to go someplace and say hello to somebody or whatever the case But you're always on the go. You are at the racing yesterday, weren't you? That's right, yeah. I had a busy enough week now. As, uh, last Friday night, we were with the county board draw in Brennan's pub in uh, Clonorty. That's owned by John... John Ned from Upper Church fine crowd there and of course uh, we weren't lucky enough again for the this month to uh, uh, come, out, next come, month. come out for anything yeah and next month then please God uh, whoever wins the care in that parish uh, like Boris Lee won it, uh, the care for next month and uh, the county board draw then is in Boris Lee I think it's probably the 3rd of March mm. uh, and then on Saturday night then of course we had uh, Brew Baru in Cashel was, How did uh, it go? Because I know you were really nervous I, about that I was you? yeah uh, nervous I had to see what was going on in that. Like, I mean, week. <laughs> like at 68 to make your stage debut <laughs> in front of a, a, a good live uh, brilliant audience you know no matter what uh, I did start off with my opening words where I looked like uh, if I tell you two and two is four I expect you to laugh at that I said you have to give me a, a bit of confidence <laughs> look they were brilliant you know I met people there from all over whether it was from Carrick uh, a busload of ladies came up from Carrick we had to find out where they the swans or the devons and they let me know no in no uncertain terms that uh, they were from the Swans right. uh, area of Carrick and uh, then there was girls and men their husbands and wives from uh, uh, Nina and that and then I met another fellow then went us all over and uh, he had a photo of me and he lovely man but I was talking to my missus at the time and uh, he said he was genuine he says can I have your autograph at the back of that car it's like Maisie MacDonald 50 well, years ago asked, well you asked for your autograph before so my missus said I don't believe it she said this thing has gone beyond a joke uh, but uh, look it was a wonderful night you know and of course Fran and Muriel is top class then we'd have 
guy from Carrick. I can't think his name now. He was playing the guitar. He was brilliant. And oh, then, um, of course, you had Colin. Yeah. And then you had Michael Collins as well from around uh, Turnafall and Newcastle West, uh, Abbey Field area. He's brilliant as well. You know what, David? It's my first time. I have to admit, it's my first time seeing him in live, but uh, Fran has some man on that uh, piano. Oh, he knows how to work a room, does our Fran? Yeah, oh, he's yeah. unbelievable. You know, and he dressed to the hilt, you know, with the dicky bow and the whole lot. He really dressed for the occasion. Yeah. Met his lovely wife as well, a grand lady, and uh, that. Hey, look, I think we're back again sometime in August, please God. They, they sold out and uh, they had maybe, I'd say probably 200 people waiting to... Uh, for somebody to pull Brilliant. out so that they could get into the thing you know but to look at past down and thing and Sunday then I went to uh, to see St Michael's playing in the last 16 in the soccer they're down now to the last 8 Brilliant. Uh, they had to beat Waterford Hibs fine game good crowd and all of that so uh, that was that, that out of the way then uh, Monday I thought it was Valentine's Day of course I arrived with flowers a day too early uh, and that so uh, Tuesday then I was down in Killinall and uh, did you have to get another bunch of flowers there? <laughs> no, I don't know. You went I was into Wales Butchers and uh, the supermarket here in Killinall is unbelievable. Beautiful, it is so big. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. We went across the road then to uh, Johnny Kendy's, and there, uh, like when I came in the door, there was four lads there, and they said, Whatever you do, don't mention our names. I said, Lads, leave it with me. So I only have them by initials, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm just looking at it. There, I miss. Uh, where are they at all at all here? I met JB, DD, DT, and V. So oh, they'll know who they are, but uh, uh, I couldn't let down the side because they were a kind of on a, what would one say, uh, a tour of killing all. All right. And uh, that's so. We came back to the horse and hound, and that's a wonderful establishment there in uh, Duella, you know, a fine place, and uh, they had a few in there. And uh, they had a guy called John, John. Woods, but they christened him on John A. Woods because there was a big John A. Woods in Cork. He was a multi-millionaire, so they just gave this fella the A as he was missing it out of the woods. And, and uh, a bit of clout. A bit of clout yeah. is right, but uh, I love going around there just listening to the local banter and stories and lads reminiscing about years ago and the whole yeah. lot, you know. So, uh, then we were at the races yesterday, of course. Here in Any Clan, winners? Clan Mill. Uh, I wasn't trying too hard. Right. Just uh, the, the day out and and uh, Clamel uh, have a fine race course there and I uh, met uh, Dan Quirk uh, he'd be Dil- the late Dylan's dad and yeah. uh, Eamon the Butcher and Golden and his wife Lorraine uh, they were there they're the owner uh, Bonnie Kelly uh, the Butcher's granddaughter is Bonnie and Dan Quirk's daughter is Kelly so they called the horse Bonnie Kelly she's after running well in the last three races uh, she won her race then she went up maybe a, the best part of a stone in the handicap which was huge wow. and for finishing second the last day in Clanmel she got another three pound of a rise so really uh, she's out of the handicap but look they enjoyed her day you know and that's all and I, there well um, um, Dan Quirk I'm sure is looking forward to this Sunday for the big match that's being held for the, the, fun, for the foundation as well Tip Kilkenny that's, that's, and you know we were talking about it beforehand even though it, it's for the charity it's still going to be highly competitive isn't oh, it yeah, Tip Ray and Kilkenny always bring the yeah. best out of each other you know and I know they did play last weekend and it was a, uh, I thought Tipperary played well uh, as Eamon O'Shea said uh, I think Liam Cale is getting a performance uh, out of the players and uh, they're certainly going in the right direction it is Limerick's in my opinion to lose whether it is league or championship uh, it's their all out to, to lose as well because 
you can, in theory, or in theory, uh, you can lose two matches and still win in All Ireland. So uh, I don't know who's going to beat Limerick uh, once. I but don't. You know, it's going to be very hard to beat him a second time. What do you think of this talk of Cork? The Cork are on the up? No, I look Cork or Cork. Uh, I doubt it really myself. I. Uh, I just feel that they're lacking something. Now, Waterford uh, probably have the class players, but uh, they don't seem to be getting the tune out of them. They have household names. They, they will come good someday. You can have no doubt about mm. it. I would think that uh, uh, Connacht, uh, or we'll say Galway, just disappointed the last day. Uh, as regards Leinster, look, probably Kilkenny again when they have the belly heel lads back, you know. It was a but different Kilkenny last week, wasn't it? It was, yeah. But of course, they were shot the belly heel lads. And of course, lads coming back from injury and lads maybe in the middle of uh, huge training. The likes of Walter Welsh and them, you know, they have to probably do a lot of training. And that when they're finished uh, their championship season, last season. And that, so he has to get them back on track. Look, tis, as, as regards this Sunday, uh, just... If you, I don't know. I'm just reading out now. What's here? If we log into the Dylan Quirk Foundation uh, to go to the match on Sunday, it's twenty euro. It's certainly for a wonderful cause, but non attendees as well can do it. Like that, if I wasn't able to go, that I'd get you, Alison, to uh, look. There's twenty euro. Will you uh, put that in for me? And uh, then there's a, a lovely souvenir program of thirty six or thirty eight, maybe forty pages for the occasion. You know, you have a long puck there. Then I think it's down to the last four with two Tipperary people and two uh, from Kilkenny. Mm. The long puck is uh, or the tr- man of the match. One of them is sponsored by Tony Lacey of Lacey's Bear there in the Hive uh, B&T Sport. They, they certainly uh, put on a tremendous uh, sponsorship each year. I think they were involved with Tullus CBS this year in the Hearty Cup and also with Cashel. So they were on a, a winner yeah. with the youngsters, you know. But uh, uh, he does that as well. And uh, look, I've no doubt Liam Clare will have to give all the play as many players as he can around. There's no point in bringing in Johnny Luby and Fran Curry and having them on the extended panel. He now has to see what they're like, and uh, they will come on and they'll go at it hammer and tongs because they'd want to let Liam Kale know. Listen, we were, we're putting up our hands here. Yeah, because it was a big blow last week. I mean, to lose the likes of Paddy Cadell, Carl Barrett, and Isla Maris uh, so right. early in the campaign. So early in the campaign, yeah. I suppose one could say the same thing happened maybe Colin Bonner last year with the McGraths and those like yeah. you, you're dealt this hand the cards like a game of 45 and you happen to five or nave you know and you look at the Tipperary football for tomorrow night you're down uh, uh, the two big boys the captain and uh, uh, vice captain mm. uh, and, that, and that's going to be huge you know as I said last weekend both of them are going to be huge losses for their clubs now because Skinnerinke got to a county semi-final last year in Intermediate Holland and could actually have won it maybe should have won it they'd be saying it themselves but now you're shot one of your big players and the lads left to stand up but you're still shot that, uh, that, that big player you know yeah. but uh, if you do log into the uh, the, the, Dan, or the Dylan Quirk Foundation you can see it there that's where the money is going and the whole lot and look at uh, uh, we'll always think of the occasion back last year when it happened and mm. uh, I was big into him because he came to Kilfeekle maybe as 11 or 12 year old and started off playing rugby you know and his dad then, then we gave him a job as touch judge and like if Dylan kicked the ball 
And if it came out exactly on the 22, then I'd bring it nearer to the trial. <laughs> We'd have <laughs> to tell him to stop it. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I did say to Dan years ago, I said, if he doesn't make it at hurling or football, I said, he'll certainly make it at, at rugby. But he'd admit it at golf. Yeah. You know, and when you look at his uh, uh, his strong performances for Tipperary and indeed Clonolty, uh, Ross, I better give him the second title as well, Clonolty, Ross, Ross Moore. Moore yeah. And uh, when you played him at fullback, centre-back, wing-back, centre-forward, he actually finished up playing full forward. He's only young for the 23 or 4. This yeah. chap could play any place. Yeah. You just, know, so... And uh, his heart, you can't teach heart, Jenny. Oh, by God. Well, he had everything, you know. Yeah. I remember saying that... Uh, when they played Limerick uh, uh, last year that uh, I was probably the first to come out and say look we have goal of the year point of the year score of the year uh, man of the match awards the whole lot but I'll always remember uh, Limerick chap was going through and ready to pull the trigger to blast it for a goal and would have got a goal only didn't quirk appeared out of no place hooked him and in my book I called it the hook of the year and lo and behold I heard Marty Morrissey maybe two months later he robbed saying, it off you he robbed it off me you know Damn. but uh, that's the way it goes yeah uh, and that but I suppose in the sport look Tullus is the place to be on Sunday, you know, uh, if you can at all at all. Two o'clock on Sunday, yeah. yeah. Uh, Camogie as well and ladies football this weekend as well. That's right, yeah. It is huge for the ladies. I think they're going for four or five in a row and the games are played outside in the all-weather in, in Feather Town Park, which is a brilliant place. Alison, I don't know, have you been there? But I have. It's amazing. It's, yeah. it's magnificent, you know, to see the surrounds there and the flower pa- footpaths and flower beds and the whole lot. Is, and that, if somebody wanted to go for a drive on it any day of the week uh, and that just go down there and take one look at what's going on tis brilliant uh, the best of luck to them girls and of course the Camogie uh, ladies are back in action again they have a tough uh, opening game I think against uh, Galway is a job yeah. up in the, the, the rag uh, and that the very best of luck uh, to them as well I do follow uh, Clonolty Ross more simply because my daughter's up there and her young one plays the Camogie and that kind of a thing and uh, that so uh, I do follow them fairly often especially when they get to the latter stages but Drum and Inch seem to be the uh, top uh, dogs in the Camogie uh, uh, scene you know they're there or thereabouts every year but Canolty you have Cash Lena Carty they're all strongholds of Camogie uh, uh, mm. and uh, that so the best to look to the new manager I think and coach this year in the Camogie as well Peter Creedon is doing a wonderful job with the ladies you know and they're great people Absolutely. And then if we look at rugby then and what's happening this weekend, Munster, of course, um, in Thoman Park against Ospreys tonight. That'll be another big one. That's another big one. You know, we have a bus going from Kilfeekle with 12s, 14s and 16s. They ran an old thing there for the last fight and I guess to score on that wonderful game last weekend, Ireland and France. Uh, and that uh, it was fantastic. And uh, they raised a few quid and tonight they have a bus going in. And of course, the adults with them as well, like those, they have huge responsibilities, especially when you're here in the news with all the things that's going on with youngsters mm. and that we'll say in the drug scene and that and uh, David I think they nearly have one I think they have a second bus going oh, in yeah you see you're you're at that age group aren't you 12 14 16 so I often wonder the clubs jump there then, yeah, yeah the clubs get the recognition of what they're doing I with know. the people on top and the whole lot you see it inside in casual they go to Kilfeekle tonight there's probably 140 youngsters under 10 years of age they're running around playing cowboys and Indians hurling football and even though it's on the rugby pitch but who cares yeah. you know they, they're out there to enjoy themselves uh, and that and Look, it goes on the soccer team as well and uh, the, uh, the coaches with underages and that and they're trying to get him to keep playing sport 
I go up to Dundrum and I Tuesday night to see maybe 140 or 50 youngsters uh, running around uh, and that. And some of my some of the young girls, like my own granddaughter Lucy, she, if she's listening, she holding an ICA meeting running along behind them at the back. Well done, Lucy. That's all part of it. That's all strategy, Jenny. <laughs> yeah. So uh, look, it's all part of the scene. Of course, I was listening, Jordan. Uh, of course, they talk about the national anthems and the whole lot. Looked as unbelievable that uh, seemingly we were downed last weekend in in the Aviva. That's right. It is in the Irish Times today. The French outsang us. Outsang us, you see. Yeah, but, yeah, but <laughs> for them, regretfully, it was a rugby match we were playing and we did put manners on them. But France uh, have a huge draw in the World Cup next year. They're going to, or this year, they're going to take be, uh, a huge beat. Now, whether we can keep it up or not is debatable. We always peak in the Six Nations. Yeah, the Heineken Cup, you see, comes in and Leinster have 11 of the internationals and they will be playing it. If they stay in competition, they will be playing it up to me. Yeah. Then they'll only have a month's break and back into the scene again and can you keep it going is mm. the big thing you know uh, and hope you don't lose anyone like Tyke Byrne now is gone that's right yeah you see and uh, like well he, he seems to have backup for each player which yeah. you'd have to have you know but he'd probably have to have two and three players for certain positions uh, Johnny Sexton although your man that came on last week Burden is good Conor Murray came off and uh, that other Craig Casey, Craig Casey came yeah. on uh, uh, absolutely fantastic player I think he is and sure of course Gibson Park is probably the man in the hot seat uh, but he's out injured you know uh, you listen to the Scottish National Anthem we have them in the Triple Crown beyond in Edinburgh there'll be a huge crowd going from around and uh, our National Anthem I don't it's know what to It's just not very rousing, is no, it? No, yeah. I think what we need is a blast of uh, Sean South from Gary Owen or some of them, you know, or uh, I, they wouldn't say I'm at home in any Tipperary town. <laughs> they wouldn't go I for that. I don't know. What they, that's too <laughs> local for... <laughs> no, that'd be too local There was for um, a poll done during the week. The Irish Times reporting it this morning. Anything by ACDC would be great before a match, but I don't know. Could you have everyone singing Thunderstruck before a match? That's right. You know, listen to me. You've got to... Uh, you've got to... Uh, maybe... I don't you know, something like the fields of Etten Rye. You know, it gathers the whole thing and everybody yeah. knows the words of it. And that because Scotland have Flower of Scotland, the Welsh have a wonderful uh, national anthem. You know, the way I they sing it in the valleys. And, and the Welsh. You know, the Welsh yeah. in, in, in the valleys and everything else, like they do sing with gusto. Yeah. You know, wonderful. But uh, I suppose on the home front in rugby, Cashel, uh, our senior club, local senior club, on that side of the county uh, they have a big match tomorrow they play Dolphin and they'll be looking for a bit of support it's a huge game for them Nina have a kind of a rival derby game whilst they, Cashel would be considered the derby game in the county they have Old Crescent and that's going to be a big one yeah. and of course Clonmel here uh, have uh, Ballinay from uh, down from Mayo or Connacht and uh, they'll probably have a lot of their academy players back Clonmel are safe enough for this year but they'd, uh, they'd still like to uh, win tomorrow as well that game I think is on LG sometime around two o'clock. Or yeah, half, two, half two. Uh, all the games were on at all half two, and I'm sure we'll have updates here on Tip FM. Can I ask you, Johnny, as well? One thing we're going to discuss on the panel this morning, later on this morning, is the ministerial visits. I know that's stuck in your craw a little bit this week. Does <laughs> it? Un- yeah, it is unbelievable. You know, to me, an ordinary Joe Soap from the Fortney Road, it's the greatest bloody junket that ever was. Do you, now they will say that it's it's a vital networking opportunity for, yeah, this for is the people civil to showcase servants. Ireland. This is the civil servants rolling out this spin doctor or saw doctor or spin doctor, whatever that is, uh, that they'll be putting a, a thing on it. Why wouldn't they? It's all a junket. I mean, like, if you have, there'll probably be at the end of the day 400 people going out. I mean, like, you have 40 people from government and probably 10 or 12 with each one of them. Yeah. 
you know, like you have 400 people going out and it's costing a fortune. Eamon, Eamon Ryan has gone out to Singapore and Japan. That's the biggest joke of all. It's unbelievable. I mean, like, Japan is the most... What's he going to do? Chain, is he going to cycle from here out to Japan? Well, if he is, he'd want to be left in Christmas. China. Yeah, but the, the funny thing about it, and it's in the Independent as well today, that his trip, just this one trip alone for St. Patrick's Day will exceed a year's worth of car emissions. And that's from the Environment Minister who's telling us to not burn turf. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Crazy. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just can't get, get, get my head around the whole thing. We have so many people going all over the world. And I'm looking at the, at the paper today and we have no one going up to Northern Ireland. Really? It's amazing. I mean, you'd imagine that they'd have sent somebody up there. Yeah, it's a good I, What I can't understand is, is the Attorney General, uh, Rossa Fanning SC, is going to Argentina and Chile. I don't know why he's going out there. I happen to Bull's notion, but of course somebody from the spin doctors will come on and tell us why. You have Michal Merton, the tarnished, to go to New York and Boston. The Taoiseach is going to Washington, D.C. Environment Minister is going off there. The Social Protection Minister, Heather Humphreys, London and England. The Minister of State, Dara Killeary, Paris, Strasbourg and Lyon. The Minister of State again, uh, Neil Richmond, Spain and Portugal. I mean, I'll be out in Portugal. I'll be out in Portugal sometime in April, please God, and I'll do more. Are for you do it for nothing. I'll do more for Ireland out there in the Leinster <laughs> House and in O'Grady's Yard Bell. They'll know where Ireland is again. I'm finished. Uh, how long will they go for? What? It's usually around two or three days, I think, depending on how far away they are. Well, sure, the weather's good. They'll probably have their swimming togs and all that thing with them and probably I'd love if some of them were smoking and they brought back a packet of fags to realise that you can bring back the same packet of fags you're paying here 15 euro and 80 cent is that say what they 16 are now? euro and you can bring them back then as well I know that was another I'm winding you up now oh, but that was are. sticking yeah, in listen, your really, I'll tell you that, you that's one thing now. about uh, Fran he never went to town I'm poking like you that. now this morning when you look at a pint this morning in Dublin in the parts of Dublin 9 euro and 80 cent which is a tenner yeah. 10 euro for a, a pint of porter which is 80 euro for a gallon of porter and uh, a gallon of petrol is uh, 10 euro how far would you go on a gallon of petrol you go 40 miles and a gallon of porter you go to the gents and back <laughs> in and probably go out again and again but to me the whole thing is the, the whole, I don't know look how much is a, pri- uh, a pint down here then a fiver a fiver yeah and it only went up last week there will say uh, there uh, John Herney explained it very well there on uh, Tip FM the other morning and John Nellan. I feel sorry for them lads you know I mean is there anybody in power listening to the John Nellans of this world a family run hotel speaking from the heart telling us out fair and square his bill was 40,000 for gas for January Crazy. like do they see our government is awash with money they don't know what to do with it it's coming in hand over fist and there's so much money coming in that they decide to go off now for a, a blast of maybe a week uh, and that they can't tell us when we're getting a bit of a rise what we're doing or anything else that'll they'll, come Tuesday apparently yeah well they, they, they come on the budget and they give the OAPs like myself we'll just say 7 or 8 euro whatever the case may be and tis put tis backdate, or didn't backdate it is put forward to maybe 4 months ahead of that but lo and behold the one thing I do enjoy is an old pint or a, a packet of eggs that goes up that night at 12 o'clock to me and and the petrol and diesel go up, but when you look at John Herney, or John Herney outside in the final furlong as well, a, a family-run pub, and he trying to apologise to us yesterday evening that he had to put it up thirty cent, yeah. but he hadn't got it out in the pint. Yeah, you know, and you go in there and you see the old television on, or maybe uh, uh, the fire lighting and that, and the same thing with John Ellis. I was over there during the Greyhound Week here in Clanmel. They run a fantastic uh, uh, family-run place there, and that and that. 
our TDs and senators would certainly want to be listening and take the message back to government. It's not Dublin down here. This is rural Ireland. And John Nellan, beyond the speaking, for every small establishment, let it be the Park Hotel, let it be uh, uh, Bailey's in Cashel, he's speaking the truth. Mm. You know, but lads that want to grasp it fairly quick and bring this up to the doll because yeah. it's up here. Like, if there was an election in the morning, I was asked, would I vote? I said, I, I probably would. But I said there'll be conditions attached to my vote. I'd be asking if I was voting for Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael or Sinn Féin or Independence. Lads, I need to know now. Yeah, because that's Am the I problem. For a lot Fianna of people Fáil? here wouldn't have probably not voted for the Greens, but the Greens are in government. The Greens are in government and they've only uh, three seats and they were the only ones in, in the changeover there last month to show you the power that they have and, and it's all about power and greed. Fianna Fáil had to change the Taoiseach and change this and change that. Leo Varadka went in, Fine Gael had to change over. I think they made seven or eight changes, but the Greens never changed. They held on to what they had because Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael wouldn't stand up to them and say, no, listen, we're putting in our man now as the Minister for the Environment mm. and Eamon Ryan you can go become Minister for Communications or something like that but no they had to do it the other way I'd have put Eamon Ryan in as Minister for Health oh. that's what I'd have done and I guarantee you one thing uh, the, 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 we're listening to the, this uh, green thing for the last two years since we went in. You know, we have people now that are jumping on the bandwagon and they weren't there when we were protesting below in misfortune at Carrick and Shore for the hospital. Yeah. I was down there uh, and that, and I'm 45, 50 miles away uh, and that went down to demonstrate that not for Carrick but that the hospital itself should have been uh, funded and updated. You know, yeah. and you look at the banks then and look... You're get, oh, really got me going. The wrong? banks, they closed it in Kayer, Cashel and Templemore. They should have been compelled. The banks should have been compelled by the government. We had 70 or 80 percent owned. They should have been compelled to give extra money to the post offices that have were affected by this closure of the Bank of Ireland. Yeah. Uh, the post office in Kayer should have been updated, given money by the Bank of Ireland. The same thing in Cashel and the same thing in Templemore. As it is, they're trying to uh, keep going on the facilities that they have, even though extra and extra people are coming in. You look at uh, DIB in Cashel last week. The the hole in the wall no hole in the wall for the Bank of Ireland the hole in the wall for DIB uh, uh, wasn't working out of action and the one across the road in super value uh, that's grand to run over and get a few pound out of it that out of action as well uh, all on a Friday evening oh my god you know I mean yeah. like nobody coming to fix it until Monday or Tuesday they don't want and you getting your money hey and you embarrassed then to put your card into the hole in the wall often you'd put it in to see what have you in it and now we'll just say you know Pat Fox or somebody 30 euro you might have only 27 That's in the kitty. That's the thing. And you and don't know. And Fox would say to you, what are you going to do? I said, I'll sing for the other three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd take it from you. Can I ask you quick as well, another topic we're going to be speaking about on the panel later on this morning. It's this new study from Aviva that says that young men are still the worst drivers in Irish roads. As a young Irish man yourself, would you yeah. agree with that? I wonder, was it the Irish young women that done this survey? Oh, Janet, <laughs> I'm offended. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they come up with this. Mention insurances from the Aviva and the whole bloody lot of them. I can tell you this. They're giving out like hell at the world of people out that the care insurances never came down, even though the claims came down as regards compensation. It came from roughly 30,000 that was uh, for compensation down to 15. But did our insurances come down? I don't down? think so. No, it's an absolute disgrace, lads. Yeah. And then I'd ask 
the people that are representing us what are they doing about it everybody is becoming multi-millionaires all these uh, gas companies fuel companies everybody's ESB they have so much money now and then you have Mr. Veralka coming on saying oh there'll be a windfall for us it'll be probably in two years time yeah, I mean like we'll have to wait for you it. know I don't know. Look, I don't know oh, where this right. all goes. Right, well, I have you wound now. We'll wind you back in because I know you have a couple of mentions. Jerm White's retirement. Oh, that's one big right, mention. yeah. Final scout. He walked, he played on the Hearty Cup. Uh, he had the privilege of playing on a Hearty Cup team with me. Really? I was the captain. He was uh, there as well. A fine hauler himself and a good few more lads. They were maybe a year or two uh, on too much underage for Hearty Cup. Like when you have an under-19 marking an under-60, it's a different ball game. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Jerome is retiring this week from the Garda Credit Union in uh, uh, Cork. I was trying to get a few quid off him there maybe a month ago and I knew Before he was he goes. Yeah. But he said, Johnny, not here. But uh, look, he's a wonderful guy. He comes around the place there. He's big buddies with Tommy Grogan in Cashel and the rest of the lads. They'd often end up in Sir Rollins in Thomastown uh, and that uh, Jerome gave up the drink a, a couple of years ago, regretfully. I've met him at, at uh, Ship in uh, Tullus and uh, I've met him at uh, Lacey's in Ballydown. You'd meet him all over the place. He loves driving Tommy around for an old pint or two. But uh, to wish Jerome uh, uh, happy retirement uh, lots of years in it and uh, of course he has the free travel from tomorrow on hey. so there is a bus to Cork from Cork to Cashel and there's a bus then from Cashel that passes Sir Rollins three times a day he can get off there and into Tip Town uh, goes and comes back then and collects him as well so it is a good man. Yeah. very good service you that's know. great finally before I let you go um, I heard you got an invitation to Windsor did you? that's right yeah for Jeez. Monday week I meant to burn wow. in and show it to you that you could flash it up on Tip FM yeah one of my buddies over there is getting uh, knighted or something like that and there's a beautiful invitation and when they asked him uh, uh, like each one that's getting knighted they were uh, they could invite 10 people wow so uh, they said uh, uh, who do you want and he said uh, Johnny Luby said he's from the Fourpenny Road in Golden and your man said in where's that and he said he's in Tipperary in thing uh, and that I'd have to get vetted which isn't any great problem I should I'd have that. to have uh, yeah. I think you have to have health and safety done you have to have uh, proper false teeth in and they, they, they log into you to see are you health wise uh, have you all the COVID injections done the whole lot yeah. but I certainly uh, regret that I, I look I'm not able to go because I have a, a couple of things on for a couple of days before that uh, and that. then I have an old Cheltenham preview night uh, promised to a, a club in Limerick uh, they're, they're doing it for charity right. and I've been doing it for the last four or five years and uh, they have, we have a great night they are great crack and the whole lot and I, say, I just said to him and your man said I'll be up front with you he said if you're not coming he said the lads won't come on the Eric McNamara's and the Berkey Brown's the bookmakers and that they won't come on because we have a great crack yeah you know and that I'd finish up by saying lads you know nothing about hostels just leave it to the expert <laughs> you know but they have great memories then for the following year I think uh, last year you know, I tipped a few of them alright but uh, of course there is a good few Cheltenham preview nights going on you know and it is good old crack yeah you know? fellas give you a tip for hostels but they can't guarantee you anything yeah. I can give the very same tip as Barry Garrity he can't guarantee it. I can't guarantee no. it. Ruby Welsh can't guarantee it, you know. But uh, but you wouldn't give it up for Windsor? Uh, I couldn't put his for charity, you know. I Fair just play. feel that. Yeah, I just feel that uh might be lucky. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd have dim thoughts in my head, but uh, look, I will meet your man, play, please God, later on during the year. I think we're going to a wedding in London and I will meet him, please God, uh, uh, at it sometime, you know. 
God, well, what an invitation to get in the post. Yeah, Daddy. unbelievable. Yeah, tell uh, you, yeah. We'll but leave it there. I'll just finish up by yeah. saying I saw it. I I saw this uh, above in Kendi's pub in uh, in uh, Killinall, and uh, my phone, of course, is an old-fashioned one. It doesn't take any photos and. Uh, I, the girl wrote it out for me anyway. She says, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bloody bicycle. <laughs> so <laughs> I, hope, I hope my wife isn't listening to that this morning. But anyway, Alison, listen, uh, I'd give you top marks anyway. You're, you're a far nicer, better looking <gasps> uh, interviewer than uh, Mr. Curry. Oh, I bet I you wouldn't say that to his face I, now I hope, next Well, I, I presume he's listening. Chaddy, <laughs> <laughs> have a great weekend. Alison, thanks very Bye-bye. much. Thank you. Thanks. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. Uh, Jim was in touch. He said, enjoying Mr. Luby this morning. He really talks sense and puts me in good form. Has he written any books? Uh, I don't think so. That might be his next project, though. Thanks for that, Jim. And listener says, tell Johnny Pines Imbala only went up 20 cent, bringing the black stuff to 470. Uh, B said, I have to be out of my house by August as the landlord is taking back the house that we've been in for for 12 years. With the junkets all over the world for Patrick's Day, one of those would buy a house for my son and myself. Another listener says, the government are laughing at us. It's that simple. In relation to Cork's hopes, maybe in, in GA for this year, listener says Cork have beaten Limerick twice in the last few weeks, once in the Munster League and last week in the National League. Um, to keep those texts coming in to us this morning, 83 or 1800 Another listener just in says, I received a text from AIR that I'm going to be charged an extra six euro a month. That's in order to receive my statement. That's according to Declan Michael. Six euro a month extra. Let us know if you've been affected by that as well. 1800 938 or 083 Now, a Tipperary councillor speaking during a meeting of the Nina Municipal District yesterday claimed that the drugs were such a problem that now primary school children are now taking them. Uh, it was a story reported on Tip FM News this morning. Councillor Fiona Bonfield joins me now. Fiona, good morning. Good morning, Alison. Good to talk to you this morning. Fiona, I must say, I was shocked to hear when I heard that. Do you really think that primary school children are now taking drugs in this county? Unfortunately, Alison, yes. I suppose drugs and harmful drug use is an unfortunate feature in every community nationwide. And, okay, I know we have the the older teenagers taking them, but unfortunately, in order to feed their habits, they're actually um, dealing them to the younger in our society. And unfortunately, it is a case and do we have evidence of that? Yes, I suppose, yeah, there is evidence around. You know, I suppose in the marginalised areas of our society, I mean, the evidence will be there that um, children in primary school are actually dealing in drugs. Unfor- they, might, they mightn't be the hard drugs at the moment, but unfortunately, you know, that does lead to the harmful drugs down the road. And what kind of drugs are we talking I'll be honest with you, the prescription drugs is a big issue. Um, mixing those with those energy drinks and stuff like that, that is happening. That's happening out there. And unfortunately, when they start at that age, then it goes on, then taking to the harder drugs down the road. So in primary school, then you're looking at maybe eight, ten-year-olds? No, I'd be talking probably 12, 11, 12-year-olds, 12 you know, right. that's starting at that age. And when they go into secondary school, then the situation gets a lot worse. 
And that's happening in Tipperary, you feel, at the moment? Oh, definitely, Alison. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Especially in a lot of our marginalised areas, you know, and whatever. But unfortunately, it is a situation. And look, I do welcome the news during the week that the government has finally set up a citizens' assembly on drug use. I think this is the way as a country we have to go. Um, like, drug addiction needs to be treated as a, as a health issue, not as a legal matter and not as a criminal offence, you know. And I actually welcome that. Look, we've been calling for this in the Labour Party for a number of years. And I'm actually delighted that it's now at the fore. And I think this citizens' assembly is starting up in April and hopefully we'll have a report by the end of the year, you know. Fiona, can I ask, have you had representations from parents whose children have maybe experienced or been approached with drugs? Yes, then yeah, 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 you would have had, yeah, and you know, like, I mean, you know, we're here in society, we're here trying to help people, you know, but unfortunately, they go down this slippy road and it's very hard to come back out of it, and I really think that as a government, as a society, as a country, we need to adopt a different approach on our drug policy, and look, I welcome this news that the government has finally set up this Citizens' Assembly. I do think it's the right way to go. I mean, latest European drug reports will show you that Ireland has the giant high including Sweden, rate of drug-induced deaths among 16 to 64-year-olds. So yeah. that in itself speaks, you know. So, And that's the record. That's on record. They're the findings of that report, you know. And like you said, you said it's, it's more prescription drug use. I think maybe there is this mistake that we make that we have this very set view of what drug abuse is, but it, it's very wide and it's very complex. It's very wide and very complex. And as I said, Alison, they start off on, you know, the, the not the non-so-harmful drugs. But unfortunately, down the road, that leads to them taking the, the harmful drugs, you know. And when they're caught in that trap, then it's very hard to come out of it, you know. And as I said, you look, um, like there's ample evidence that, you know, a criminal record for possession of drugs doesn't, doesn't is, is non-effective, yeah. you know what I'm trying to say. So we have to look at this in a different way altogether. And that's why I welcome the Citizens' Assembly. And I do know the Minister has said that she will be taking in on board the views of young people in our society as well, that they will be part of this process as well. And I very welcome that news. Do you know what I'm saying? And she has yeah. been. She has mentioned Corlin and Oak, and also the youth drug po- projects in our society as well in the disadvantaged areas. So I think look, that's a positive move. It's it's years ago this should have happened, but mm-hmm. unfortunately we're at the stage now. But I do welcome the news, and I think it, it's it's a it's an area that I I think we will see some results as a result. But look, it's not going to happen overnight. And, and unfortunately, problem, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, the citizen assembly won't stop people tra- taking drugs. But I mean, it it it's it, it is probably looking to how we can put more resources into drug addiction treatment and an improved focus on drug education, which is a huge thing as well. Yeah, I wonder would would teachers as well. I'll be very concerned. I mean, if if there's children under their care and their um, and guidance, maybe who are who are bringing drugs into school, I mean, it, it puts teachers in a in a terrible. It position. does. Yeah, definitely. And it is happening, Alison. There's no doubt about it. It is happening. Do you know what I'm trying to yeah. say? And I look, and I know, like you know, we can't, like as I said, you. It, it, treating drugs as a criminal offence is not the answer either, you know, we have to kind of look at this in a different approach altogether and I do hope that that's what will come out of the Citizens' Assembly, that the way we're, it's not working at the moment, it's failing and like Portugal is a prime example, Um, there is evidence that showed um, that they they looked at decriminalising drug users there, I think back in the 2000s or so and actually their their, um, their, their instance of drug use in the country has fallen dramatically so it has worked in other countries and that's an EU, EU country, so I'm hoping that, look, 
it's years ago this should have happened in Ireland, but unfortunately it's only starting now. But it probably, I do think this will work. When it comes to decriminalising then, could I ask you, would you be in favour of decriminalising certain drugs? Like I know marijuana is one that, that's often put forward as a drug that should be decriminalised. Is that something mm. you would support? I'd have to see the evidence on it and I do think that's what will probably come out of the Citizens' Assembly. There will be, you know, I mean, this Assembly, I think there's a gathering of about 100 people involved in this. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So they'll be from different aspects, different societies, different organisations, different groups. And I think they will all have a role to play. And that's why I think whatever does come out of this, you know, is the right, it'll be good. It will be good. It it has to be good because unfortunately what's there at the moment is not working, you know, so... Oh, it's a sh- and maybe I'm very naive and very green, but I was shocked to hear that that statement mm. from you. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's frightening. But Alison, if you know, in our towns and our villages around the country, like you know, we have dealers at every corner, yeah. um, and unfortunately, they're actually then feeding their own habit. So they're actually dealing then to the younger in our society, and that's what's happening out there. You yeah. know, and it, it, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Well, uh, Councillor Banfield, we appreciate you talking to us this morning and thanks for raising the topic. Lovely. All right, thanks well, so thanks, much. Thanks, Alison. Right, thank you. Thank Bye. you. That's uh, Councillor Fiona Banfield there. Shocking that uh, with the claims that, that children now in primary school, like, look, maybe it's very obvious to people, but I was certainly shocked by it. I'm, I'm sure a lot of other people were. Let me know what you think. Uh, 1800-938-007 or text or WhatsApp 083-311-3311. Just in relation to that uh, text I got from a listener who said that AIR are now putting on an extra charge of six euros a month. Another listener says, I got the same letter from AIR, five ninety nine for postal bill. I had to opt for paperless bill because I couldn't afford it and it used to be great when asked to produce household bills for any transaction. Exploitation at its finest. It's a sad thing. No one to stop it. Six euros to get your bill in the post. My God, let us know what you think. We're back after this. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. Young men are still the most dangerous users on our roads. That's according to new consumer research from Aviva Insurance. The survey polled 1,000 adults nationwide and what it found was that uh, 34% of respondents claimed that young men were the most dangerous on the road. This was followed by e-scooter users at 20%, while 17% believe that cyclists are the most dangerous. Uh, Paddy Common from AA joins me on the line now. Paddy, good morning. Good morning to you. I'm a bit surprised to see that young men are still being labelled as the worst drivers on the road. What did you make of this survey? It's funny, you know, in terms of insurers, when it comes to uh, perceived risk young male drivers would still be regarded as as being the most uh, at risk in terms of insurers. And um, generally over the years there has been statistics to bear that out. But if you look at the actual, um, you know, fatalities on our roads at the moment, certainly looking back at 2022, we've seen a shift um, a little bit away from that while young men do get involved in, in, are involved in a lot of the fatalities. It's now older users um, the, the sort of the, the older category of uh, of a driver who would be most at risk, and and also pedestrians as well would be most at risk as well. So, so look, there, there's no doubt that young men do, and you know, I, I I do remember being a young man at one stage 
Um, there is, there's definitely a, a greater risk in terms of bravado, um, in terms of perception of risk uh, themselves, and also, you know, they, they do take chances that uh, older drivers, and in particular female drivers, tend not to. And they might have faster cars. Well, I think, look, they, there's a desire for faster cars. You can get yourself in trouble in any in any sort of car that, uh, you know, that exists, really, but but yeah, for sure, there's definitely um, a culture as well of uh, young men, in particular, of uh, slightly modifying their cars, and and uh, you know, I wouldn't paint all of them with the same brush, yeah. but it's it, it, you know, there are lots of people who modify their cars and just you know, they they treat them like uh, like gold. They uh, you know, they wouldn't drive them quick at all. But no, mm-hmm. it does happen, and we've we've seen that for sure. And look, this is borne out by by the perception as well, but as well as that, in terms of the statistics, you know, they are one of the major vulnerable users. But like you said, one of the other most vulnerable or maybe most dangerous on the road, even though it's probably the wrong term to say, is the older driver. But what what would you deem, what age group are you talking about when you say older driver? Well, generally, I mean, the, the likes of the RSA would have, you know, obviously 55 plus, but then they would have another category above that as well. So you can see... In particular, and you'll see by the TV ads that are running at the moment about um, older pedestrians, and they are, you know, there was a spike in the fatalities, unfortunately, for that category. So, so uh, elder pedestrians maybe walking on country roads or or being hit by drivers. Now, it does beg the question, and I've tried, you know, I've, I've certainly tried to find out why, you know, are the people are they being hit by people scrolling through their phone, for yeah. example? Um, so it's it's often uh, it would be better in some cases to be able to get the minutiae of the detail, but yeah. often you you can't. But um, but yeah, it does it does appear that that is becoming a a, a situation that we're seeing that older uh, drivers, older um, pedestrians in particular, are, are are very much at risk at the moment. Would that be part of the the free license um, brigade? As, as they tend to be referred to sometimes, is that that cohort of people who, because of the backlog and licences, probably never sat a test. Would that be the group you'd be referring to? I know I wouldn't be referring to those because they it's pedestrians in the elder cabbies that are are, are being um, killed currently. Yeah. They they you know <laughs> there's lots of older drivers who would be very very safe and very cautious. I don't think they're going to be. Do, they're not going to be on their on their mobile phone. They're not going to be generally uh, speeding. You know, maybe in some rural areas there could be risk of of uh, drink driving. But in general, it's uh, what's happening is as well. You have to remember too that a collision that um, you know a younger person might walk away from in some cases can induce cardiac arrest or can induce um, other injuries that they would uh, succumb to as a result of a collision. Whereas where, where other uh, categories of, of road users might might have scratches and bruises. Yeah, and I see the e-scooters then um, coming in at 20% in the survey. I can see that number increasing um, in the months and the years to come. It's becoming a huge problem. Oh, yeah, the e-scooters thing is, is something that we are, you know, ourselves in the AA scratching our heads about a bit. You know, on one side, it's uh, a clean um, form of transport, but on the other side, there's so much to go wrong potentially because you know certainly around Dublin I don't know what it's like around your area to see people driving them in, in, in a manner which is really haphazard uh, this, they, and as well as that we've spoken to 
other users in terms of um, people with uh, visual impairments, mm. uh, people in wheelchairs, and they're really, really struggling with these things being on footpaths. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's also as well, you'll see them being handed to kids and, um, you know, you're supposed to be 16 to have to be on one, but we're seeing younger kids uh, flying around with them. And, you know, 25 kilometres per hour, being hit by anything at that sort of speed is no fun at all. Absolutely. And I think there was a, a fatality uh, relating to an e-scooter in Carlow, I think, in recent weeks. So it's certainly going to be a, a growing problem. Paddy, we're just out of time. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Take care. All the best. That's uh, Paddy Common there from the AA. Let us know what you think. Who are the most dangerous road users? We'd love your views on them. One listener says you can talk about young men, uh, older men, young women and older women drivers all you want, but it's the stupid driver causing the accidents and that's all age groups. It's what you do behind the wheel, not what age you are. Uh, great comment. Thanks for that. Uh, another listener says, in relation to the drugs issue, on what evidence is this councillor basing her information? Has she contacted Tusla or the teachers in the school? Has this information been given to her local Gardaí? I hope she's being proactive with the information and that some information programme is being introduced in the school for both parents and pupils. Uh, another listener says, in relation to the um, Citizens' Assembly, a listener says, why do we need an unelected assembly to solve our problems? That's why we elect TDs. Keep those texts coming into us. 83 311 or 1800-938-007. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. Pat was in touch. She said, if a person goes into a post office to cash a postal order, even for five euro, they have to have proof of identity and an explanation as to where the order originated. Yet drug dealers can drive around in their Beamers and Audis clothed in top range designer gear and no visible means of support. Yet neither Garthi or Revenue ask how can they afford such a lifestyle. Another listener says we were talking about um, a dangerous driving and, and the most dangerous driver on the road and a listener says a survey should be done at Powerstown National School immediately before a child is seriously injured or killed. The parking on the side of the road outside of the school is outrageous. There is a car park 50 yards down the road uh, but people are always parking on double yellow lines there. Keep those texts coming in to us 083 311 or Emma is standing by to take your calls on 1800 938 007. Now, if you're following the story of Nicola Bully in the UK, it's one of the most perplexing cases in recent times. And I suppose that is why it has attracted attention from basically all over the world. Now, the mother of two, if you're not aware of the story, she disappeared while on a morning walk on January 27th. And there has been absolutely no trace of her since. The incredible part of this story, that's what happened this week. Police held a press conference where they declared that Nicola had suffered significant issues with alcohol in the past, which have resurfaced in recent months uh, because they've been brought on by her ongoing struggles with menopause. Now, Dr. Mary Ryan is a consultant endocrinologist and she joins me on the line now. Mary, good morning. Good morning to you and, and, and welcome. Thank you. Good to talk to you this morning, Mary. Mary, what do you make of this um, decision by 
by police in the UK to be so open about somebody's personal medical history in an effort to try and explain her disappearance. It's its pretty unprecedented, isn't it? It is, yeah. And, and may I say, first of all, we, we obviously all of us hope that Nicola is uh, brought back safely and well. And when we're discussing this, we hope we're not adding to any anguish of, of the course. family. We're merely going to talk about menopause. Yeah, I mean, we, we were all, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. We, we all obviously heard the story and then when I researched it more and even the Sky News, believe it or not, first thing this morning I turned it on because I knew it was on and they are retracing the steps but yes, I think it's come in for widespread condemnation because it's taken the focus away from what should be you know, people ringing in and talking about, you know, trying to, to have the dash cams or the footage of where she is and now unfortunately the focus is on what's very personal information and wouldn't help in any way as to, to find her. So I suppose that's what the family are very upset about. Yeah. And they, they did come out, as you know, and said that um, after the Lancashire police statement, they did come out and say yes, that she did have brain fog due to menopause, uh, but they were they were upset over the mentioning of her personal issues. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's extraordinary, and I'd say unprecedented. I've never seen or heard of, of this before. Now, they say um, that they were put under huge pressure because it's ongoing for three weeks, and they, they, there's been, you know, no footage or after the last sighting, they, she sent some email to her boss and whatever, but they have no um, they, they basically are just struggling for, for clues, so I, I don't really don't understand what, why they did um, do that you yeah. know, and certainly the, the menopause, and everyone knows that I've spoken time and time again about menopause but certainly brain fog due to menopause wouldn't cause somebody to go, yes, you can be very anxious. Yes, you can forget things. Yes, you can, but you wouldn't certainly go off and do something like this. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be, be gone missing. So it wouldn't have any connection with it, you know, and, and I suppose that, that was the only worry I had. I thought when they mentioned that, God, are, are, is there a suggestion that women with menopause due to brain fog, you know, forget where they're going or it causes this sort of a, a, a loss of their memory that they would do something like this. So that's what I didn't like, yeah. that it would be misleading information like that for women and that, you know, spouses would be worrying about their their, their uh, partners in menopause. So I just didn't want any misleading information to come out either. But then on the other side of it, Mary, and to, to maybe play devil's advocate with it, uh, the, mm. there is no doubt for a lot of women, menopause has a huge effect on their mental health. And, you know, oh, maybe this is the time to highlight that, that people will kind of take that a bit more seriously what women go through during menopause. Totally. Totally, but I suppose I, I wouldn't, and we're, and I, as I said, said, yes, of course, but it, it wasn't, I certainly wouldn't agree with what the Lancashire Police did, yeah. highlighting a personal issue of hers, and I wouldn't like to bring any more anguish to the family in doing so. All we're doing today is chatting about uh, menopause and educating uh, people about it. Yes, menopause is, and that's what I've been striving to do and have done for the last eight years. In fact, I think I'm one of the first people to start the whole menopause journey yeah. along with yeah. Lorraine Keane. And um, we d- I did that because of all the dreadful stories I had of women who had suffered for years uh, with not only hot flushes, which is everybody knows about and the sweating, but people that didn't sleep for years. I mean, people forget that. Uh, lack of sleep is used as a mental torture. I've had patients in with menopause that don't sleep uh, for, for five and six years right throughout that time. Oh and obviously, of course, they're going to be irritable, exhausted, you know, uh, brain fog, the whole work. So, uh, yes, um, I suppose oh, it's only now in the last ages that people understand what women go through. Yes, 
some women a small percentage sail through the majority don't and they will get lack of sleep most get lack of sleep actually they get restless legs at night they get brain fog they're irritable um, you know as well as a lack of libido and all on all the other things and then some then get, get everything in a very severe form where they're flushing constantly sweating constantly changing sheets uh, you know five times a night so, so it's good to make the public aware of this because I suppose women weren't listened to for years they were sort of fobbed off they were told they were depressed and I suppose the lovely thing now is that we've brought it out into the open, we've changed the narrative. I even have patients coming in where they're telling their young families of teenagers all about their menopause, which is very healthy and yeah. very good, as opposed to when it wasn't spoken about and women were suffering in silence. So that, that's the wonderful thing that has happened about opening up the conversation. And just, you know, it's a very normal process. It's, it's gone on since Adam and Eve. Um, yes, unfortunately, with generations for us to talk about it, but at least we're here. And all those women are now coming for help, which is wonderful. And not only that, but they're looking after their bone health, they're looking after their heart health, because all of this becomes very relevant because they lose the estrogen protective effect mm. on the bone and the heart. So it's wonderful. And it's sort of a, a, a time for women to take the umbrella view of themselves, which they normally don't do because women look after everybody but themselves. But it's a time in their lives they can look at themselves and say, look, I need to grasp my my own health now, put myself in the focus uh, because this is my second spring and hopefully another 50 years of good health. Yeah. But, you know, that that's the positive we need to take out of it, uh, that it, it pauses women because they have to pause to look at their health, you know, because there's a change in a whole hormonal rhythm, but that they look at it in a very positive way. And for years it was looked at in a very negative way. Now I'm want to change that to a very positive way but um, in this case with Nicola Bully and I feel so sorry and I hope that they do find her like I'm sure all of you and the listeners very mm-hmm. same I just didn't want uh, where you know it, it, there would be suggestion that people would, would lose their minds and or you know that that's not the case the brain fog that you get is certainly you know you, you can forget where you put things uh, but you do find them eventually you know you're just tired you're just exhausted um, so, that, so that is what happens we do see some women with terrible anxiety I mean I had a lovely woman and her husband came in with her a few weeks ago uh, who ran a company but she was so anxious he said this is not the woman woman that we know, this is not the mother of the children we know. So some women do really get dreadful anxiety. So some women get actually quite, you know, exhausted because of the lack of sleep all the time. So it does cause chaos, you know, for a woman as well as her family. So yeah. it's a time to, to and that's why it's so good to have the education or menopause. Um you know, I've all those podcasts up that people can download for free on it. Um I have a book coming out by the way at the end of uh, March, twenty ninth March. Yeah. So it's just to educate people on menopause, but also educate the families, educate the schools, because this this is a normally process. It's an evolutionary process that happens every woman. She'll have it in some shape or form, be it um, not natural, which happens around the age of, you know, perimenopause is that preceding time, usually 20, 45 to 50, where the periods become irregular and they, they get the flushes, the lack of sleep, but then they, at 50, the periods stop and then the symptoms exacerbate at that time and go on for at least five to, to seven years, you know. Mm. So it's just to, it's just for people to know, for partners to know, for children to know. I always say to women, you know, you're going to be tired around this time. Your children are usually teenagers. A lot of them are. Some of them aren't. They're younger. But, you know, do the water. Get them to help out because you cannot do it all. Because women at this time have to recharge. The, their hormone control centre is tired with all this hormone flux. They have to have to 
to rest pace. Otherwise, their bodies can't deal with it. Yeah. Even though we're giving them help, they've got to do a lot of lifestyle change themselves. Yeah, Mary, can I ask you the, the latest headlines that we have on this case? Um, mm. And they're probably the most concerning. The ones that are out this morning are saying that Nicola Bully suffered some kind of mental breakdown because she came off her HRT. Would yeah. you be concerned at the message that that's sending out? Yes, I would. I would. Absolutely. I mean, certainly, um, as I said, people would um, be very anxious. Usually, HRT, while it takes the edge off the anxiety, wouldn't be the main treatment for the anxiety. Uh, We would have other medication that we would use. So, yeah, I I wouldn't. And obviously, we don't know the details. We're only hearing what they're saying. But, uh, you know, um, no, that wouldn't be generally the case. If if a woman, uh, the majority of women go HRT, they go on it because they need it. Not every woman needs HRT, by the way. And you certainly are not putting on it if there's a family history of breast cancer but um, for the women that go on it, the majority of them, it's very suitable and, and, and they it, it, you know, they stay on it, that you'll have the odd person that it mightn't suit and you'd have to change to a different formula. But no, um, it would be very unlikely that, that coming off it would cause major anxiety. Uh, but as I said, I don't know the case and, and yeah. but you know, that, that, that would be, the, I've never ever come across that and God, I'm dealing with it for 25 years, so no, I wouldn't that's reassuring and that's the problem I mean you see these headlines that it terrifies women who are going through it and saying God is this what I'm facing now this yeah no decline. no no and that absolutely not I couldn't I tell you now I have not at all I mean women go from strength to strength now that they're getting the help and the help you know is often some women don't need HRT at all the help is listening to the woman understanding her story understanding what she's going through helping her have a good healthy diet telling herself and her husband that major lifestyle changes have happened, the family have to do the rota, she has to pull back, she has to recharge a lot more than she's doing and she can take her supplements like Menamin, which are the natural phytoestrogens, vitamin D, omega-3s, things like that, um, you know, because vitamin D is important for bone health. Mm. Um, she can take bison for her hair, <clears throat> you know, may have, making sure the diet is healthy, cut back on, on unhealthy foods because your metabolism is slowing down, we don't want you putting on weight. And then if she needs something for restless legs or HRT, yes, of course, but it's not, not everyone needs that. So the point is that the majority of women, you know, once they're either listened to lifestyle changes or if they need treatment of whatever kind they need, they do extraordinarily well. But the whole thing is they need the support and that's the really the, the, the environment I've dealt with so many I can tell you that they all do very well once they get that every one of them um, it's the women that weren't listened to they had, had agony because imagine years of not sleeping yeah. then then we'd all have problems if you weren't sleeping uh, but no no and that's what I, I as I said we wish her the very best and I hope they find her speedily well and, and all that but I just didn't want women to be wor- worrying um, that God this is going to happen to me yeah. because it doesn't brain fog as I said isn't dementia it's just where you're tired you're exhausted not sleeping all hormone imbalance going on but with the right support and lifestyle change and maybe a medication if you need it you will do very very well and that's the, that's the important message to get out. Absolutely. Mary, great to talk to you as always. Thanks for joining us this morning. You're so welcome. Not at all. Thanks, Take care. Mary. Bye-bye. All the best. That's Dr. Mary Ryan there, consultant, endocrinologist, uh, who's a great friend of the show. Great to talk to her. It's, it's certainly a fascinating case and there's no uh, surprise why it's really captured uh, the attention of people and, and media all over the world. Uh, we will be discussing it actually as part of our Friday panel later on this morning. 
and as part of a wider discussion about our obsession with true crime. And particularly in this case, we've seen the problem with internet sleuths who are travelling to the area and some have even had to been arrested for, for breaking into properties uh, in that community. Uh, because they're, they're so intent that they have the answers to this case and, and the problem that that's causing. Anyway, we'd love to get your views on it. 83 311 Just to let you know as well, there's a, a great bake sale taking place in Nina this morning. It's for a great cause. It's for the Cancer Fund for Children. That is taking place at the Country Market in the New Institute in Nina this morning from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. So if you're in the area... Head on down and buy a nice bit of cake for yourself and, and the money will go to a fantastic cause. So best of luck to everyone there. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Facon, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Facon, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. We were speaking uh, earlier on in the show about this survey from Aviva that says that young men are still the most dangerous users on our roads. Uh, the survey polled about a thousand people nationwide. It put... Uh, uh, young male drivers, I think 35% of people surveyed said that they think young male drivers are the most dangerous, uh, followed then by 20% of e-scooters, uh, of people thinking e-scooters are the most dangerous. Tony is on the line with us. Tony, good morning. Good morning. Good to talk to you this morning. Tony, tell me, what do you make of this survey? Would you agree that young male drivers are the most dangerous on the roads? Well, first of all, let me say this was a survey of opinions, yeah. not of facts. That's true. And we, if you survey people's opinions, we don't know what age group they surveyed, things like that. So it really is a meaningless exercise. And to, to lump everybody into one group like that, I think is quite dangerous. Um, certainly in, in my game as a driving instructor, I would have to say that a lot of our young drivers are very responsible drivers. Mm. And uh, a lot of the problems are being caused not by our younger drivers, but by middle-aged and my own age group drivers who possibly never underwent a test. We had a situation in the late 70s, early 80s, when licenses were given out graphic without a test. Yeah. And the, yeah, they were never tested. But then is it fair then if you, if you were to, to get that cohort of people and retest them? Is that fair? I don't see why not. Okay. Uh, if you look at the driving situation here in Ireland, our driving test has barely changed since the 1960s. Yeah. Um, we're, we're still asking people to reverse around the corner, which I would consider it's a dangerous illegal. Yeah. You, you, you certainly wouldn't do it. Uh, and don't forget, people have been asked to do this in their test out in what we might call the live environment, yeah. where you have traffic coming in all directions. We also have a situation where in certain towns, Tip Town, Clonmel, places like this, there's no access to motorways, there's no access to dual carriageways. Yes, pass your test there and you are free to head off. As soon as you get your license, you're free to head off on our national road network. Yeah. That cannot be safe. And plus, it doesn't test your ability to be able to drive in certain circumstances, such as heavy rain or frost or, no. well, you know. Unfortunately, we have the ludicrous situation where if the weather conditions are anything but perfect, the testers cancel the test because yeah. they won't go out. That's crazy. It, I totally agree. It's absolutely ludicrous what's happening here. So if you were to reset the whole system, what would be the perfect driving test in your eyes? 
I don't think there's anything such thing as the perfect driving test. I know some countries, my sister-in-law uh, did her test in Norway and they had a night drive as part of the test. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, here we're meant to do lesson 12 in the uh, essential driver training is about night driving. But uh, I, I, I think I did one in the dark, but that was in wintertime. But in the summertime, you're talking of going out at 12 o'clock at night with a student if you want to drive in the dark. Yeah. But we definitely need to bring our test into the 21st century. We have a situation whereby if you pass your test, say, at 18 years of age in a car and you never go to another category of licence, you never, ever have to undergo a test again unless it's um, ordered by a court. Mm. And that cannot be safe. We have a large percentage of people uh, who probably need someone in service training, as you might call it. We have different laws. Vehicles have changed. The road networks have changed. Certainly since I did my part in the 70s, the road network has changed beyond all recognition. Yes, we have a lot of people going out who have uh, never driven on some of these roads or certainly have never been taught how to drive on these roads. So would you like to see some sort of refresher course every few years for all drivers? Yeah, of course I would. We we have a situation with professional truck drivers and bus drivers. They have to do CPC. Um, But for the ordinary car driver, and uh, I think the statistics will back it out that the vast majority of uh, fatal and life-changing uh, situations occur with uh, cars. Um, and we, certainly, I think it, it couldn't be uh, a bad idea to have some sort of a refresher. Not that you're subjecting people to a test where they pass and fail, but an informative test mm. where you, they get positive feedback on what things they need to improve on. And again, this should be in conjunction with insurance companies. Yeah, because I mean, you, you, you develop bad habits over the years. A friend of myself actually did this, I think, two years ago or three years ago, where we reset our driving test to see if we'd pass. Both of us failed it. Both of us. There is the, there's the proof. Yeah. And uh, I, I was out the other day with a student and I met uh, a, a car, a Jeep going around the roundabout the wrong way. <gasps> oh, my God. With and he wasn't an elderly person driving. Yeah. But it is, it's a, it's a serious oversight. In, in We have the Road Safety Authority coming along and looking to uh, uh, Vision Zero. Yeah. Where they're talking about, in, long before cars, we had people killed off horseback. So how they can come along with Vision Zero, I really have no idea. I don't think it's practical. It's not possible. Correct. Correct. Yeah. As to the survey... I would have to say a lot of the young drivers are very good drivers. I agree. And they're very protective um, of their cars because they put a lot of money into their cars. We have cases where, unfortunately, in Ireland, it's been getting more and more expensive. Insurance costs many times the value of a car, even, for young drivers. So they're not going to go out and be ridiculous out on the road. Okay, we'll always have the clown. But we can't lob everybody into this one uh, group. And when you have a survey that is just a survey of people's opinion, yeah. it, it, it is, it's, I suppose it's useful for the insurance because they can come along and say, oh, people think this and therefore we can charge accordingly. I don't know if that's the case. I'd hope not. But it certainly could sway people's opinion. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. Tony, you make some great points. Thanks for talking to us this morning. Okay, thank you. All the best. Thanks, Tony. Uh, Just some reaction to it. A listener is saying, is this driving instructor serious? He wants us to take a test every few years. We can't even cope with new drivers taking their driving test. That's a good point. There's a huge backlog still at the moment. So if we were to go back and and retest everybody now every few years, uh, what kind of backlog would that cause? Another listener says, fail your test and you're allowed to drive home. Another listener says, if you fail your test, you can drive home and keep driving. That's the madness of the whole situation. Another listener says, why would anyone believe the insurance companies? I would not. The company said premiums would go down when claim awards went down, and that has not happened. Keep those texts coming into us, 83 Another topic we were speaking about was these, uh, or were these ministerial visits uh, abroad for St. Patrick's Day. Of course, they're, they're back full kilt now post-COVID, so they're all heading off. Um, what is it all together? I think over 40 ministers heading abroad this St. Patrick's Day all over the world. Uh, we knew it was coming back, but, but how does it sit with us now kind of in a post-COVID society? Helen is on the line now. Helen, good morning. Good morning, uh, how Ali. How are you? I'm great, Helen. Good to talk to you. What do you make of these ministerial visits? I know they, they annoy everyone. They certainly wound Johnny Luby up this morning. But, you know, when you ask for an explanation on them, you're told this is a huge marketing opportunity for the country that has to be taken and all the horses have to be sent out uh, in order to, to raise Ireland's profile because we only have one day a year. Do you buy into that? I don't at all. I think they're all just having a massive junket and sending a big finger up to the rest of the country. Uh, and they're sending out more than all their horses. They're sending out a few donkeys as well. <laughs> <laughs> like some of the countries that we were going through, and Johnny Luby's reading them out this morning, like Argentina and Portugal. Yeah. Like, is there any need to be sending anyone out there, really? I don't think so. And attending... Um, I was going to come by his nickname. Would be, I'd be nice. Eamon Ryan is going off to Singapore and China. Off to Singapore yeah. with him, yeah. And Imagine. I'm hoping they might keep him. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it's, I don't know. Was it, is it done on purpose to make him look is. bad to send I him to China? I think so, yes. But they all look bad. Looking at that list, it just reads like, a, lads, here's a major freebie. Put your hand to the hat there now and take out a ticket and you'll get you'll go off to that country. They're going to so many countries that it's insane. You'd wonder what the heck's going on. And there's Eamon Ryan, the Environment Minister, who goes on about us driving, villages sharing cars, bringing back um, donkey and cart, bringing wolves into Ireland. And what did she do? It goes after China and Singapore, and that's a massive carbon uh, carbon footprint. The biggest polluter in the world. That's where he's going to for St. Patrick's Day. And the idea is apparently to let them know that Ireland is a wonderful place in which to live, work, uh, socialise. They give a list, and I'm thinking, I'm living in Ireland. Ireland is the second most expensive country in the EU in which to live. Mm. The most expensive is Denmark. It is the third most expensive country in the EU EU in which to stay in a hotel. Uh, Our fuel prices are way up there on top in second and third place. Our hotels are in third place in Europe for expense. And our house prices are also amongst the highest. Our rentals are off the charts. And in fact, the last 10 years, the rental increase has been the most 
in Ireland than any other country. And we're talking about in the region of 60 to 70% more. Yeah. And to go through some of the other countries, we've Roderick O'Gorman. He's going to Delhi and Mumbai. And then yeah. he's going to Bangladesh. And then there's he- another Green Party guy who has shown his complete lack of environmental awareness and interest. And it's mostly about what he can do for himself. And it's the same with um, Eamon Ryan. And then we've, not to just focus on the Green Party, I suppose, Pippa Hackett then, she's going to Kenya and Tanzania. Yeah, I mean, Strange I saw choice. that and I thought, what the heck? I mean, why? And then the Attorney General is also getting a freebie. Would you support, though, the Thesha going to Washington? I, you know, I actually think that um, Biden should have been invited to Ireland instead of all of these guys hightailing it off to America because there are a lot of them going to America. So we have one day, it's St. Patrick's Day, celebrated in Ireland. Why go to other countries? They could also talk to these guys at any time by um, Skype or FaceTime or WhatsApp or any of the social media platforms and show us that they are being environmentally conscious themselves because it comes down to that. It also comes down to the massive expense in a time when we're all on our knees trying to cope with escalating food, electricity and fuel bills. But, and to play devil's advocate on it, I mean, we are the, when it comes to the Washington visit in particular, we are probably the only country in the world that is guaranteed an audience with the US president every single year. We're probably the only country in the world guaranteed it. So are we right to take advantage of that? I think it's time to change things and invite Biden to America. Because I don't honestly see why... Invite Biden here, you mean? Yeah. yeah, but invite him here. I don't see why it should be, gosh, the only country to be invited to, Washington. We have all had to make major changes in our lives. So I think our government should also make major changes in how they're approaching their um, diplomatic visits and approaches. Okay, so you want to see all trips stopped. You don't think anyone should be going abroad for St. Patrick's Day? I don't think so, no. I think that St. Patrick's Day should be should be celebrated here and invite the President of America. Now, all these other guys would be invited, like, where to go to 44 countries, 43 yeah. country, other countries. It would come as very expensive. But I think it would be far less than um, all guys going off and they're free to be staying in the best hotels. And, and they won't be travelling Ryanair. <laughs> and they sure. won't be travelling in the short leg seats, you know. Yeah, Helen, great to talk to you this morning. Thanks for Have a great weekend, Ali. You too, Pat. Thanks, Thanks. a million. Bye-bye. All the Bye-bye. best. Keep those texts coming into us 083 If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Welcome back to Tip Today. We were speaking to Helen, who was making the point that St. Patrick's Day is our national holiday. So instead of all the government ministers going abroad to different countries, that maybe we should be inviting those uh, countries' representatives here instead. Uh, And she said, in particular, the American president. A listener is saying it would cost a lot more to bring the American president here to Ireland than to send somebody over there. Another listener says during the 80s we had one Charlie Hawhey, now we have a big group of them. Plus the education system should be teaching about drugs awareness from a young age instead of helping them to decide what gender they choose to be. 
Another listener says those foreign trips apparently pay for themselves hugely through trade and tourism. That results from the ministers giving up their free time to travel abroad. They're not on holiday. They are working. Now, Michael is on the line with us. Hiya, Michael. Good morning, Ellie. How are you doing? I'm good, Michael. Good to talk to you this morning. Tell me, where do you stand on these uh, ministerial visits abroad? Do you think we need them or do you think they're a junket? Well, before I answer that, I'll tell you why I rang in. I was called out to a customer the other day and during the course of our conversation, she told me she stays in bed in midday most days just to keep walking. Oh. Now, that night I actually heard that these 35 ministers are going out of the country. I think it's an absolute bloody disgrace. I think it should be stopped. The people violence should stop it. Um, I never minded uh, the teacher going over to America. Yeah. But I do mind 35 ministers going to 40 countries. It's an absolute junket. Just a little thank you for, for keeping the parties together. And somebody said, I have to read now. Michael, sorry, I'm just losing you. Your coverage isn't great. Could I just ask you to move a little bit? Okay. Perfect. There you are. Sorry, go again. Uh, one of your listeners there texting that we had one Charlie High before yeah. and now we have a whole heap of them. And that's how I feel. The person I met the other day worked all her life in this country, paid tax and everything. And at this stage of her life, she should be in comfort. Yeah. And here we have ministers wasting and spending money. And that's all it is. It's a waste of money. Not to mention all the air miles uh, and, and the environment and everything that's included in this. Well, they would say to you that St. Patrick's Day is a huge event for us here in Ireland. It's known globally, so why not take advantage of that and, and send ministers abroad and try and bring business and commerce and money, essentially, and jobs back to Ireland as a result of that? Haven't we got the idea for that? Well, we do. And what the hell are... Why do we need that organisation if they're going to try and do their jobs? Or why do we need the ministers on the other side of it? Well, like this country, something has to grab this country and just will have no living in this country. What do you think of the idea of bringing people here? At the minute, I think it should be closed down. Uh, I'd, I'd rather see a lesser amount in the country well taken care of, properly, rather than having heaps of men here and we can't take care of them. And giving ourselves a bad name. Are you referring to Ukrainian refugees? Yes, and 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 others, and others. Yeah, we should be able to take care of them properly. The war is terrible; it's affecting the whole world at the moment. But how, if the ship is full, do you keep piling on people to sink it? You can't do it, Michael. You sound very angry. I, I, I suppose it's not the anger; it, it, it's the fact that. The middle-class people on the ground can see what's going on. And the powers that be just don't want to listen. I got angry the other day when I met that woman and, and, and I seen her situation. It's appalling. She should be happy, she should be healthy and everything, and she's not. Yet she's worrying about heating and everything in her house, and she's only one of many. Yeah. And that's going on on our doorsteps. How can we take care of the world when we can't take care of our own? And are you coming across that a lot of people who are staying in bed just to keep warm? Yeah, I deal with a good few old people from, uh, I won't say old, elderly, yeah. uh, from time to time. And they tell me different stories. And, and yeah, they won't get you. They won't get you some of them, like, you know. And they're on their own and they're trying to make ends meet. And here we've ministers that never seen a hard day in their life on two or two and a half thousand a week. What do they care about poverty or anything? They know nothing about it. And they get their big pensions and everything. 
You know, we're, we're being promised a care package, essentially, by the government next week to help people and vulnerable people, they're saying, will be targeted in, in these measures to help them with fuel costs and with bills. But do you think it's going to go any way towards addressing the concerns of that lady? No, no it's, not, it's not going to be enough. Uh, I don't think you should have allowed it to happen in the first place. Talking about people that can make money from all these uh, oil companies and things. It shouldn't have allowed the, the cost of fuel to go that high in the first place. But yeah. it did. And, and that, we have no leaders. We have absolutely no proper leaders in this country. Barry said we need a Michael Collins in the country again. It has to be sorted out. It is getting worse. And, and I love this country. I've given my life to it. And, and so has many others. But the problem is, our leaders are not leaders. And I'm going to say this straight out, they're failed teachers and solicitors and everything trying to lead. They're, they're not good enough. Okay. He's holding Martin as far as anything, us out to get into power. And he doesn't care. He can't, he's pinching and everything now. Same as the leader of our and and, and, and uh, Eamon Ryan. Okay, Michael, I'll have to let you go because your line is failing on us, I'm afraid. But great to talk to you this morning and thanks for sharing your views with us. Okay, thanks a million, Michael. Uh, keep those texts coming in to us. A lot of people agreeing with Michael. 83 311 Now, uh, if you were listening yesterday, um, I visited the, the food bank in Nina. I spoke to Sandra Farrell and, and some of the volunteers and, and service users, amazing people up there in Kenyon Street, um, assisting about 140 families, they estimate at the moment. Uh, one of our listeners, Paul Paul Lafford, was in touch with us to share his views on it and joins me on the line. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Ali. How are you? I'm good. Good to talk to you this morning. I know, it, you know, listening to the people who are having to avail of services at that food bank, it struck a chord with you yesterday. Why so? Well, first and foremost, I suppose the first thing I have to say is how fantastic the people are that are operating these these food banks. Amazing. And really fantastic people. And while you'd be heartened to listen to your report yesterday morning, Alison, but on another side, we should be very, very embarrassed that it's come to that for so many people. Because there are, I mean, shortly after you had done the article yesterday morning, Fran got a text from a lady and she's a working family who get absolutely no support. She said that they come across as living fairly comfortably, mm. but it's a, it's a huge struggle. And the minute you hear of these supports and everything, they are targeted, and quite rightly so, at people who say that need it the most. But there's an awful lot of people, Alison, that got up this morning to go to work that can't afford it. Yeah. And... You see people, as I said, like yesterday morning in your report, who are relying on food banks. If you go on social media this evening, for instance, in Dublin, you have the likes of the, the Muslim Sisters of Era who are running food banks. If you go to County Offaly, there's independent councillor uh, Ken Smullen. He is, I think he's based in Clara. He has over 1,200 families that he's delivering food to in his, in his little van every morning. He's gone off every morning. And he said that the amount of children that he can hear that are actually genuinely excited to see food coming in. Like, this is in one of the wealthiest countries in the world, Alison. Yeah. Which we should, like, like as I said, thank God we have people like, the, like Sandra and the people you were talking to yesterday morning and Nina. But... At the same time, we should be deeply ashamed. And like that last man, while he spoke there very, very passionately, I can't argue with one thing the man said. Yeah. 
and <clears throat> excuse me there's a this this feeling i think of hopelessness i mean john harney was on yesterday morning with fran as well and john spoke about it there's this feeling of hopelessness among people that whether you're working whether you're not working you there's no like we we have they started talking yesterday about these uh, cost of living supports and they've already started flying the kite that if they keep these things going it could add to inflation and the EU won't be happy what are people going to do if they without them Alison. But just, I mean, people are only worried about covering the next bill. That's all people are worried about. I, I saw an article a few weeks ago about a woman in Dublin, by her own admission, well paid, very, very good job. She uh, was coming up to the bank holiday weekend and she was going away for the weekend. She got paid on Friday morning. She went to her bank and there was no money there. <gasps> but she looked anyway and her gas and ESP bill had come out on direct debit, 1,200 euros. Oh my God. Now she said she was able to go down to the credit union. She had an emergency saving fund. She was able to take out her few bob. But she said she has no children. And she said, how are, how are families with children coping? Yeah. Like, this is absolutely horrendous. And in the last week then, Alison, all these utility companies and fuel companies have reported massive profits. And do you know the galling thing? I don't know if people are aware, but there's a story in the UK that's that's really annoying people. And it's the, the gas company in the UK sent a, a lot of their staff, I think 40 members of their, their top staff, away to the Maldives on holidays on the company's back. And they've been posting pictures online. Everyone, understandably, is absolutely fuming over it. But I mean, it goes to show there's very little consideration or regard for what ordinary people are, are facing. There's no consideration at all, Alison. People getting up in the morning. Like, I was out cycling last last Sunday and the man I was cycling with, a very, very good friend, he works with children, we say, who are in, in troubled situations or whatever. I don't yeah. Vulnerable, thanks, Alison. But he told me that CAMS, for instance, is full. Mm. And he said that there was children who whose only opportunity to get something to eat in the day was to go to school. And for two years, obviously, then they couldn't go to school. And all of this stuff, Alison, you, you reap what you sow. And mm. in years to come, is all this going to come back and kick us in the backside? To think like, I mean, as parents, there's nothing more important to any of us than our children. And I can't speak for your children, but we have a fellow at home that's pure bold. But at the same time, there's no part of our lives more important than him. And any parent will say the same. And now you have parents that they have to decide, will I feed the children or will I turn on the heating? That's absolute, that's bloody criminal. It is. And Sandra Farrell made the point to me yesterday, and I probably hadn't thought of it before, but she was saying that our, our perception of what we deem as poor needs to be changed because totally. she said there are people who are coming to that food bank who would have relatively newish cars, but they're yes. struggling to put food on the table. So Absolutely. what our perception of poor is isn't poor anymore. No, it's not, Alison. And, and the trouble is then, and I'm very, very slow to kind of bring this into the conversation, but you have these shady elements who are preying on that and and they're capitalizing on this fear and on this sense of hopelessness that people are feeling. Yeah. And you have a government, like, I mean, I heard you speaking to your last um, callers there, 
about swanning off now around the world in a couple of weeks' time. Like, that's an insult to people. I know, like, you could say, oh, you know, we're, it's great to get into the, the White House and all that. To be honest, I'd say Biden probably hasn't even a clue where Ireland is. But these these people, like, it, they live in a different planet. I mean, didn't Varadkar come out in the last week say that he didn't believe this poll that people are relying on, on food banks? Yeah. They, they're so far removed from it. I mean, I'm one of the lucky ones, Alison. Like, I mean, I have a job, thank God. And we're very, very lucky. But I genuinely would fear for any young couple now, if they have a few children with childcare, mortgages are going up. Just to drive along the road, look at the price of diesel. I was coming into work this morning and there was a row of traffic from the K Road roundabout up to Even. There's people, I can guarantee you, that most of those people would have those cars gone in the morning if they could, but there's no public transport. There's absolutely nothing. The country is Dublin, and that's it. Yeah. And you've this nonsense and bull, I have to be careful to watch my language, this stuff about that they're pushing out all this stuff about buying electric cars. I don't know about you, Alison, but I couldn't afford to buy an no, electric car. I couldn't either. Paul, and I'm way over time. I'll have Alison, to leave of you course. Off. Thanks a million, Alison. Thanks so much and thanks and for your And have a great weekend. Paul. You too. Good luck to you now. Bye. Bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. Uh, time for a Friday panel. Now we have two of our panellists. One is on the way. I'm sure he'll be here. But at the moment, I'm joined by a Lean Brown community activist and Alison Devere Hunt, of course, of uh, Cashel Mart. Good morning to you both. Morning, Mark's Alison. on the way. I'm sure he'll be here soon. Um, our first topic is the one that, that's really gotten everyone across this morning. And this was the, the ministerial visits and TDs travelling abroad for St. Patrick's Day. Just to bring you two texts. Um, and they're both on, on different sides of it. One listener says, what a crowd of begrudgers. These lads have to work their backsides off trying to get industry and tourism into the country. Anyone that thinks these ministers are badly stuck for a free trip is codding themselves. I'm sure they would all rather be at home for St. Patrick's Day. These are high profile people who can garnish business. Uh, another listener, I've lost it now, but but very cutting about the fact ministers going abroad. But I've had a few texts actually in on the show of, in support of ministers going abroad and that it's a benefit to the country. Liam, if I start with you, are you in favour of ministers going abroad for St. Patrick's Day? Not as many as are going. Um, to an extent, I would see the point that some ministers have a duty and have a, as part of their job to uh, go on trade missions, to look for trade, to bring jobs into Ireland. But if you're to go back to that text you just said a, a second ago, uh, what does the Attorney General do with bringing trade into Ireland? But the Attorney General is going to Argentina next week. Um, I think it's something that people are get very frustrated about because it does look like a junket. The reality is, is if, if you're going to use the excuse that they're going abroad to bring jobs and bring industry into Ireland, do they do nothing the other 364 days of the year? Um, you know, that's their job the whole Isn't time. Isn't that what the idea is for, which is what and, a listener and, and said. That, that's well. what I was just about yeah. to get to. I listened on the way, and that is what the idea does. Now, 
we do understand that every year the Taoiseach goes to Washington and a few more ministers do go to other parts of America because I don't think people realise how big America is so we do have consulates in California with consulates in New York so that's fairly obvious but I mean some of them can be seen as no more than junkets to be quite honest and then the other side of it um, that was mentioned a few times on the way in long Eamon Ryan going to China and God love Eamon I think he's about the, he's, it's about the only person who loves him at this stage in Ireland it doesn't look good for Eamon Ryan to be um, lecturing people this week about burning turf or lecturing people about you know getting public transport where there's no public transport in the country and then getting on a first class flight to Singapore and a first class flight afterwards to China uh, the same with Rodrigo Gorman going to I think it was Mumbai, you said, Mumbai and Delhi. Right, yeah, Mumbai, Delhi, Mumbai, yeah. and then Bangladesh. And I, I, I mean, and it's easy then to kick the Greens as well. I, I don't just want to kick the Greens. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of Fine Gael representatives heading off to far-flung parts of the world where we probably do no business with, we probably don't ever expect to do much business with. And the other side of it is, I don't think, you know, an Irish junior minister rocking up uh, someplace in Peru is going to bring an awful lot of business. If, if a company in Peru wants to wants to deal with Ireland, they'll go to the IDA, they'll mm-hmm. find out about the, the conditions of how we work in Ireland. So a lot of it is junketeering. There's no doubt about it. And in the current climate, people do not like to see junkets going on, huge, very, very costly junkets. And it's the same It's the same thing every year, the mm-hmm. same excuse, oh, we have to go out there and we have to bring all these businesses here. I don't buy it. I simply don't buy it. Alison, could I ask you then, Pippa Hackett, she's going to Kenya and Tanzania. From an agricultural point of view, is there any benefit in that visit? No, definitely not for, say, Ireland. There, I don't see there being any benefit to it. Um, it again, it's a, it's a junket. You know, say, you don't see for Thanksgiving any congressmen or senators flying around the world. Like, I don't see if any... When I heard Pippa Hackett was going to Kenya and Botswana, that's not going to help our industry in no. any way. Like, it is a junket and people are frustrated. And, you know, I suppose to, there is so much strain on people now and they're just seeing this as, oh, they're off again. You know, like, would it all it'd be closed for the summer before we know it. They've more, they've more time off. They've better holidays than secondary schools. It's ridiculous what's going on. But the thing is, they'll continue on regardless. And it's the same old thing of, we'd, you know, this time last year, we'd be given out about it as well. I'm not sure, actually, were, were we out of COVID. But, you know, on a I normal year. there was year, only a couple of visits abroad last year. There wasn't many. But the thing is, say... We managed. We, and, yeah. we, and we forget very quickly. And, it's you know, that's what they're relying on. They're relying on, in a couple of weeks' time, this trip will be over and we'll move on to something else. Like, there's one thing after another and definitely, I don't think, say, 90% of them don't need to go. Look, send the Taoiseach to the White House. It's a kind of a, you know, it's a done every year, even though poor Michal didn't get to do it with COVID. Um, but other than that, like, there's a great kind of symbolic kind of uh, idea of St. Patrick's Day and the US and yeah. the amount of immigrants that went over. But other than that, Botswana, Kenya, Argentina. If from an agricultural point of view, what good it is Argentina nothing. too? Like, look at the Mercosur deals. Look at, you know, all this, say, the knocking of the, uh, say, rainforests over in the Amazon and, and wanting us to plant trees. Like, the ridiculousness of it. Look at Eamon Ryan. You know, where he's going to a country where there's a thousand plus, you know, um, fossil fuel plants. Yeah. And... 
you know, he'll cycle into the doll and have his van behind him. They're, it, I can understand why people are angry and they feel the piss, excuse my use of language, is being taken out of them. Yeah, and that's the worry that I would have. There seems to be a lot of anger this year, more so than any other year, but it's just another little drip on this pot that seems to, to feel like it's bubbling over now at this stage. Liam, do you think this could be the, the straw that breaks the camel's back? It's one of them, all right, yeah. There, there definitely is. Um, really saddened coming in along, listening to some of the, the contributors here before 11 o'clock. Um, there is a hopelessness, what I would describe as as individuals, um, towards what's going on. But it's beginning to bubble into a frustration. And I think the next level after that then will be anger. And, and that's beginning to bubble up as well. Like, you know, 12 months ago, a war started and the price of everything went up. But then the price of, 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 of gas and oil seemed to go back down again. But the prices stayed up. You know, and like Paul, before your break, they're talking about people going to um, food banks. You said you were at a food bank in Nina. Mm. We should be ashamed of our lives that we have food banks in Ireland. And it's great to have them. And it's, 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 it's fantastic that some people are being looked after by them. But I'm ashamed of the fact that we have them. And we shouldn't be almost opening them and, and cutting a ribbon and saying, aren't we great? Like, um, I heard a story, well, I heard a story, it wasn't, I was told a story a couple of weeks ago about a working couple, both working, who just decided they couldn't buy oil that particular week. They hadn't budgeted for it and they weren't going to buy it for another week and a half. That's when their monthly salary were going to come in and they were going to do it out of it. Now, if two people working in Ireland can't heat, heat, heat their house, we have a bigger problem than worrying about whether um, you know some ministers are going abroad on junkets. But the fact that the ministers are going abroad on junkets, while that's happening is driving people mad. And there is going to be a big outpouring of anger, I think, if we don't realise that those small little things that may seem insignificant, and some people go, oh, it's an insignificant amount of money in the wider scheme of things considering the amount of money that comes into the country. But the small things are the ones that trip you up in the end, and, and I think that's the sort of thing that could trip up the government if it continues and if they seem to be so blasé about it because I think that's the problem is they do seem to be blasé and they kind of fob it off oh we do this every year why you complain every year and it'll be forgotten about um, Alison just said there you know you, you build up a memory and some stage you stop forgetting about things and you yeah. start getting angry about them we're looking then next Tuesday at a package of measures that hopefully will ease uh, some of the burden on people Alison would you have any hope or confidence that it will go any way towards easing the burden for people? Not a bit. That's not what we need. Like they're talking about you know energy prices and that they can't be stabilised for two years but yet the minute the war started these prices could be increased overnight. The government are so out of touch they've no control you know the energy companies are dictating to the government even though the ESB you know is um, has huge government involvement and huge profit. And massive profit and the profits of all of these gas and electricity companies, you know, we're talking billions now. We're not even talking millions anymore. While ordinary people are struggling, you know, you're listening to people saying, I turned down the thermostat from 20 to 18 and we're, you know, being very careful about the lights and that it's not making an ounce of difference to no. their bills. People, like, people are trying to, you know, say... Be, behave and do things properly. It's not making an ounce of different difference. And the thing is, most of the people that are in government, although they were elected, they were elected on the 5th, 8th, 10th count. We People need to become more educated on how they vote and give their first preference to one and two and stop filling out the whole 
ballot form because it's putting people in jobs that shouldn't be there yeah. and they're dangerous and look I suppose you're you were speaking to the man, the publican there the other day. Yeah, John Allen. And he was, you know, he's he was so right about what he was saying. But we have these people here making decisions for us that really shouldn't be in the positions that they're in. Like Roderick O'Gorman, he wasn't first count. Leo Varadkar wasn't first count, any of those. But there is a sense of who else, you know. Yeah. And like we have some good politicians but like, look at when things go to vote to even be brought in for, you know, like the the buses recently and the veganism on the buses in Dublin. You saw agriculture, people who are heavily involved in agriculture voting with the government, you know, because they're, the whip, the whip needs to go, you know, like to be and a few people need to stand up and actually go against the whip and take the the pain that goes with it. But they won't because they're minding themselves. They and are. Johnny Loopy made a great point this morning. He said, when I voted, I didn't vote for Greens, but I have a Green in government. Yeah. So, th- like, it's it's all about numbers at the end of the day and how they can make up the numbers. But that's the problem with politics now. They're minding themselves. They're not thinking of the people. Like anyone who should that should go into politics, it's not about yourself. It's about the country that you want to, you know, take care of and work to help, you know, keep in some sort of order and the people to be, you know, able to live at some sort of level. Not me, myself and I. And so many of the politicians, over 90% of them, I would say, up in Dáil Éireann, have the attitude of me, myself and I and that's why we're in, say, where we are now today. Liam, is the problem that we now have career politicians as opposed to the good county councillors that used to climb the ranks? That is true. I think it is. Um, I've often said that the first job of a politician is to get re-elected. It is terrible in relation to planning for anything that's long term. Like we talk about environmental problems, but environmental problems are going to be solved over 20, 30 years. There's nobody going to put a 20, 30 year plan in place because they're not going to be there in 20, 30 years. So they just look after themselves. Um, we have an awful lot of, it was said before the break again, we have an awful lot of uh, failed teachers and failed solicitors. One of the things that drive me mad at even a county council level is the lack of nine to five workers on the county council because they simply haven't time to go to meetings, they haven't time to get off. So the vice of a huge chunk of people in the middle who pay for politics in this country, who pay taxes, who keep them in their jobs, councillors and TDs, don't get to have the, this, their... Um, voices heard at the meetings. Now, if you go back to the, where you just started a second ago, and just to give an example of what I think is, is part of the problem in Ireland, you mentioned before the break that there was a cost of living uh, package coming next week. And one of the things you said was, you know, it's going to protect the most vulnerable. I think that's one of the most overused phrases in Irish politics today, the most vulnerable. Because every single package protects the most vulnerable. Who that is the most tends, vulnerable? Exactly. That tends to mean, when we say it, it means people on long-term unemployed, it means old-age pensioners. But I'll tell you who's vulnerable. Somebody who wakes up at 6 o'clock in the morning or 7 o'clock in the morning, gets into their car to go to work and doesn't know how much the price of petrol is going to be when they pull the car in. They're vulnerable. A person who goes into their child in the morning time and is afraid that the child is going to be sick and they won't be taken in a crash, so they'll have to miss a day's work and stay at home those people are vulnerable. A person who gets up themselves in the morning who is sick but won't go to a doctor because they simply can't afford the 60 euro uh, price to go to a doctor. 
those people are vulnerable. A person who is listening every day on the news about how interest rates have to go up, who don't understand why interest rates have to go up, who are being told by the European Central Bank there's going to be another interest rate ride next month and another two months later, and who've seen their mortgage go up by 200, 250 euro a month. Those people are vulnerable. They work every day, they pay their taxes, and they every time they hear of a cost of living crisis um, help, it seems to be helping everybody else except people who are working. And we are afraid of our lives to mention that because if I say that, I'm punching down on the unemployed. I'm punching down on old age pensioners. Of course they need help. But don't don't forget about the fact that it's the people who are putting the money into the pot to help everybody are having are not getting any benefit from that pot. It's getting massively frustrating. Uh, I, I heard one of the social justice groups this week call for a 12 euro a 12 euro rise in basic social welfare payment. Somebody who's working for between 25 and 35,000 this year got an 8 euro rise in, in, their, in their pay from an increased tax credit. An 8 euro rise. Yet we're saying to people who don't work at all that they deserve a 12 euro rise. Now, there's people, I, I guarantee there's people listening to me out there shaking their heads and, and wondering, you know, that's not fair, you shouldn't be saying that, people are vulnerable. Everybody is vulnerable. Everybody is paying for an ESB at the moment. But if, if you're not working, you're not running a car, then the price of petrol isn't as much of a factor for you as somebody who has to drive maybe half an hour every morning and is frightened of their life that the price of petrol is going to go back up. So we've got to stop with this labelling of this group and this group. This, this is the most vulnerable group. This is a kind of a vulnerable group. No, these people are grand. There's people out there, and, and I know it myself, who are, could be on very, very large starting salaries. But they're putting two kids through college, they're putting three kids through college and not getting a penny of a grant. They're paying a mortgage that they see going up every month. They're paying for two cars, one wife going one direction, husband going a second direction. And by the time they've paid all that, that out, they have very, very little disposable income at the end of the week. But yet they're not vulnerable. And yet they get no they get no benefit, yet they get no help. So we need to stop labelling things like that and stop saying, like, tinkering around the edges. You know, if we have if we have electricity companies who are making hundreds of millions of year a year in profit, which we have, that's not necessary at the moment. Mm. They need enough for forward investment, but they don't need to be making a profit. You know, and let's let's give people a chance right now to get out of the the hole we're in because this is a hole we're going to be in for the next couple of years because much of this inflation is being driven by the cost of increased cost of energy, which is a consequence of the war in Ukraine, which is not going away. So let's stop talking about a 200 euro are we going to give it in, in March which Fine Gael want to give because they want to get people happy before summer or are we going to give it to people in October which the Greens want to do because they think we should get it before the winter it's thinking around the edges and we have a serious lack of leadership in all political parties that not one person is willing to stand up and say break away from the crowd as Alison said you know, put down the whip for a few minutes and say hold on a minute let's stop tinkering around the edges and let's get the structures right and let's do this properly Okay. Godly, I'd follow you into Sorry. the war, I think. Yeah, fair here, here. I, I should have had a song yeah. playing in the background. Listen, yeah. well, let's put a pin in that for a second. <coughs> Mark Small is with us now. I want to get his views on it. We'll take an ad break first. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. Just to bring you some of the texts we've been getting in, uh, listener says in January the government introduced new rules around children's allowance for 16 and 17 year olds. They're stopping children's allowance for July and August and you have to reapply in September when your child goes back to school. How are parents supposed to buy books when children are back to school in August? These are measures brought in by the government without even telling people. Um, Another listener says... um you're pontificating, uh, Liam. You've been accused of pontificating about abandoning the uh, system, which is the most democratic voting system in the world. And you're being accused of <laughs> trying to get rid of that. Not sure which which system I I, I want to abandon. Well, maybe explain. I, I don't think I mentioned anything about the democratic system. We've got. But a, I suppose we questioned how the voting oh, system did, uh, operates in the did, country. Uh, yeah. I, did, I, I didn't was. mention that, so I don't know who was. Maybe someone wants to have a go at me personally, but I didn't mention that. At yeah. All. And Mark, could I ask you? I think the the listener probably got the wrong point for that because we were all talking no, I think about. It, yeah. I think it was in relation to how, how votes are, are counted formed and formed and that. I mean, the reality yeah. is, the reality of the situation is governments are formed by the majority of the people who can form a government. So, and, and our, our voting system is proportional representation, which means you, you can choose one to, one to five or six or whatever you want. Um, and then based on that, people are, are elected. Um, just because you're elected on the first count doesn't give you a right to form a government. I mean, and, and if you have a lot of people, if you have the majority of people in the door, then that gives you a right. Or you can put a coalition of people together, of like-minded people, in the, that's our system. I think it would be a huge issue if we were to move to the first-past-the-post system, which means is who, it, it just one person elected per, per constituency mm. on a first-past-the-post basis. Because what has seen transpired across the world where that system is in place we end up with seriously divided um, uh, left and right, or you call it like America. The classic example of that is America, where you have the Democrats and Republicans in the UK, wave Labour and Conservatives. You don't get smaller parties being able to voice it. So you wouldn't have the voices of the smaller parties in government because they wouldn't be there. Um, And I think that will give a huge uh, democratic deficit if we don't keep our system. Um, In relation to the whip, I mean, essentially, when you vote for someone, you're voting for that party unless you vote an independent. So you, you, you accept the fact that they are going to vote. And then again, democratically within that particular party, they decide what is based on their election manifesto. And mm. I mean, that's the system of government we have. And I think, you know, they say, you know, it's the best form of government we can get, but it's probably, we wouldn't have it. I mean, what's the other option? You know, you have, you know, dictatorships or benign dictatorships or whatever you want to call it. I think, I think the system of government that Ireland has, one thing I, I think I do agree with, we don't give enough power to the local representatives in relation to local government. I think the structure where everything is centralised is a problem. I would love to see a much more uh, powerful and a much more uh, involved local government with real a power of responsibility but to did decide we not locally. have that and we got rid of it? No, we didn't. We never, we've never had a really powerful local government but system. But local councils were, were quite powerful and they worked very well. Yeah, but I mean, they, well. I mean, in relation to deciding things like what your local taxes are actually, I mean, this thing where, the, where they have it's up or down by a certain amount and you have to live with the conf- consequences of it. If you can't, if you can't survive, well then, you know, within your local areas. I think we need to, we need to take away some of the d- uh, powers that government, that, that national government 
to and let them be what they're supposed to be is legislative. I mean, they're not supposed... I mean, you know, to a certain extent... To, talking to your local CD about your footpath outside the door is really not logical or, or it's not what they are there for. They're there for as legislators to look at national powers, national laws. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. Local government should be dealing with, with that locally. I mean, and, and I think as, as, as was said, is we should be seeing more, more representation because, you know, the nine to five person isn't representative within the lo- within, on the committees because they're working nine to five. Can I ask what you you make of the ministerial visits abroad? I think it's absolute necessity for Ireland. I mean, Ireland Ireland's economy. Do you hear that? Liam? Do you hear that? Oh, I, 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 give I, you, I, give, I give you reasons why. Is I Maybe mean, that's you why know, Mark didn't come in earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was waiting outside now and I, I was writing me notes. Um, no, I mean it's absolute necessity that Ireland. We're a small open economy, and <clears> we are probably one of the most successful small open economies apart from Singapore, which is probably another open economy based on on the same thing. Um. One of the things that we have to do is we have to promote Ireland, and I mean we are. I mean it's it's incredible that we have a day where we where they're you know the, the opera house the Sydney Opera House goes green, the Golden Gate goes green, you know, where we are the only country in the world that has this, and you know where we go we get represented, and I mean the places that where people go I think are very important. I mean I heard you know in relation to Argentina, I mean it's not just Argentina. There's not well, okay. Some some places like Bangladesh, yes, but it's in that area. But we have to build, we have to build markets in places which Tanzania? are starting. Yes, absolutely. Tanzania, very from uh, minerals. Romania. I, Romania. Oh well, for for sure. I mean, we have to build these areas where we have uh, where we can have export markets and build our markets. I mean, one thing we've happened is remember is that the UK is becoming less and less and less of a market for us but we have all these goods that we have to sell abroad and be agricultural goods as such but we also then have you know the, we're the not selling beef in Argentina no but we do well actually we do sell some of it there not is an some, awful lot. yeah, and, and America is a huge is, is huge of the very very highest quality and people like this grass fed areas Borbee if you look at Borbee and them yes I think that it's, it's vital that Ireland promote itself abroad I mean, if you look at the, our tax, if we don't have multinational taxes, which is 100% abroad and looking after those people, if we don't have that, our economy is in serious trouble. And there's constant talk about that we're overestimating and bringing in the amount of foreign uh, profits that are in Ireland. We have, to, we have to promote ourselves abroad. It is a cost. It's like having your customers in new markets. If you're in business, you have to constantly look after your customers. And unfortunately, our customers are the world. And the world is changing. Places which were considered, why would you go there, are becoming big markets. Because the middle classes of those particular societies are getting more wealth. Which means if they get more wealth, then they have the ability to buy stuff from imports. Kenya and Tanzania aren't buying anything from us. I would suspect, if you actually look at the trade, the trade. I don't have the numbers, but the trade, I would suspect you would be surprised. Alison? I suspect you'd be absolutely shocked, to be quite oh, honest. I, I think, mm. uh, as someone who lived in Botswana, I mean, mm. I know it's a very small population. I know it's got very um, a very small amount of export industries, mostly based around diamond and mining. And I don't know, but you can't, use, you can't move a mine from Botswana to Ireland and, and build up an industry around that. We don't have huge mining interests in these countries. And if we do, they're very, very small and are very, very concentrated on a small number of people which don't have a huge amount of jobs uh, to bring in Ireland. The Argentina one, uh, that gets brought up a lot. There's actually quite a big Irish community in Argentina. Um, I would have no problem actually visiting Argentina. But I don't think if we're going to do that, that the Attorney General is the sort of person that we send out to Argentina to drum up trade. 
That's not. No, I mean, job. I do. Yes, I, I, mean, I, I, I totally agree with. My, I can't understand it, why it the, the attorney looks, general go because there's it no absolutely point looks like it, yeah. it absolutely looks yeah, yeah, like yeah. a junket. No, no. Um, I mean, based on what we were saying, and I suppose the accusation that came in there, that I was, I was trying to undermine democracy. Um, you're talking about adult representation and, and how we vote. Yes, I understand how proportional representation works. I think the, the frustration that's caused by proportional representation, and I'm not sure how we get around it, is you have small parties in coalitions, for example, like the Greens. But the Greens aren't the worst of it. The worst of it, in my opinion, were the Progressive Democrats, who basically had four TDs in a, in a Fianna Fáil Progressive Democrat coalition. But With pretty, huge but, power. but pretty much ran the government out of four TDs. Now, you'd a tiny number of people voting for them, but yet the vast majority of people were being... Um, were being having to, to deal with the policies that they wanted. And some of them were very, very poor for the country. Much the same as many of the Green parties are at the moment. Uh, I don't know, have you spoke about it yet, Alison? But there's going to be an extra 15 to 20 TDs in the next stall. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I don't think people are going to get too happy about that. The next stall is going to be bigger. We do need a more what they call subsidiarity, which is moving power from the Dáil in, in Dublin to the county councils. But you're right, we shouldn't be talking about potholes in the Dáil. We shouldn't be talking about local uh, local things at all. But maybe one way to get around that is to have local elections and Dáil elections on the same day. Yeah. Because an awful lot of county councillors, an awful lot of, sorry, TDs in the Dáil at the moment were former county councillors who simply used the county council as the step up mm. to the Dáil seat. And then when they went to the Dáil, brought the same amount of, the same type of work that they did at local level yeah. into the Dáil. Like, realistically, I think that there's no need for 160 TDs in the Dáil at the moment moment and that's going to go up to 180 you know, 100 TDs at most yeah. could be in the doll yeah. but you'd take the doll away from the pothole job and you know and you know, we can't get down the road or the local school you leave that to legislation but you give more and proper power to local councillors and possibly even bring back the district councils so that you can have even lower level um, yeah, lower level representation yeah. as well but give them powers and give them money yeah. yeah, I mean the only we can say look look at look at Clonmel and and some of the areas which lost the borough councils, which yeah. were really which which worked really well, really well. Mm-hmm. I mean they were very good and very good for a very local and and you know when North Tip North Tip and South Tip joined, it became a mess. So I mean I I I totally agree. The only thing I would just be careful about is reducing the numbers. Does that not then we're kind of if you reduce the numbers to amount, then the smaller voices and smaller minority areas people get less. It, it gets diluted a little bit. I mean yes I agree. I mean having you know hundreds and hundreds of hundreds. I mean we're the most overrepresented population in Europe, uh, if and not the world, mm? and overpaid. I, we'll question that one separately. But you don't uh, think they're overpaid? They're, you know, remember it's tagged. It's tagged to the civil service. I mean, in relation to the civil service grades, so they're they're equivalent to a civil service grade. But is yeah. our civil but service not overpaid then? In some respects, yes. I mean, I, I think I one of the things that I'm getting completely off the point now, but anyway, uh, is that. Entry level in, within the public sector, I think, is appallingly badly paid. I mean, if you look at entry level guards, nurses, entry level clerics, there in the, within the public sector is is you know well underpaid. If you look at the average pay within the public sector, you might say, well, that seems to be reasonably good. But that's because essentially the under the, the entry people are subsidising the people on 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 the higher grades, which I think are grossly overpaid. So I mean, I, I yes, if. It, it, the, the nature of TDs is they're tagged to a level and I think if all that level came down then yes I mean look some of the upper grades and some of these increments um, I think aren't the way to do it mm. I, I would prefer to see what I would prefer to see is the um, entry level increased and then the graded system you reduce down to narrow that 
band of which you go up and down within a certain area. That's my own view on it because yeah. I, I think, I mean, I mean, hearing you know nurse and entry level nurses or guards. I mean, I know you know a friend of mine, you know, entry level, and he's going. I mean, you can barely survive, and that's not fair. I yeah. think. Alice, when it comes to the ministerial visits abroad, a listener raises an interesting um, point. They say that other dignitaries who would travel abroad, why can't our politicians stay in the embassies when they travel abroad? That's what a lot of of other countries would do. Would Mm. would you feel better about it if that was on the table? Well, say, to be honest, it's... It, cost is one thing, and I suppose cost, we break things down to cost in every sense. It's like us talking about the politicians and, and say, entry-level jobs. But, and I'm kind of, I'm going to get back to your point, yeah. but just say, in relation, I think part of the problem in Ireland at the moment in relation to, say, entry-level positions, people are leaving the country in their droves because you go into any hospital Mm -hmm. everybody's worked to the bone anyone working is working really hard you know and that's part of the problem there's very little job satisfaction you know money money is you know obviously we need it to get by and everything but we always put money as the number one whereas it's not the most satisfactory factor in relation to you know people's job satisfaction and that and I think it's, it's every time, you know, government do their budgets, it's like, oh, there's another 170 million going towards agriculture, let's say, or going towards the HSE. It's never solving the problem. Hmm. The money doesn't trickle down and it just seems to evaporate, yeah. you know, and that, that's a huge part of the problem. Look, with them staying in embassies, I don't think that that's necessarily, I think it's a good point, but... I think part of the problem is it's not the money being spent, it's where they're going. And I know Mark made the point of, you know, beef in America and beef in Argentina. I'm not really too sure about the Argentina, but I know when Coveney was Minister for Agriculture, he did a whole big thing about, you know, Irish beef going to the States. It never happened. You know, it was another junket. Borbia going around promoting Irish products. When we were in the middle of the beef, say, protests, they decided to pass factories up the north and factories in the, in the Netherlands in relation to Irish beef. The ethos behind Irish beef is, or Borbia, you know, born, reared and slaughtered in Ireland. They were able to change the rules to suit their own narrative because... They, you know, they were people were standing at the gates and they couldn't get beef in, so they changed their goalposts and changed the rules. So I think that's where there's a huge amount of issues as well. Yeah, is that people are getting so frustrated because what's white now isn't white anymore, and what's black isn't black anymore. There's too many grey areas, and there's too much allowance to kind of shift things to suit narratives that aren't what they should be. And I think you know, say send them off to. Delhi, like what do people? What do we need to send someone to Delhi for? And it's one of them. It's, it, it is. It is. It is actually being designated as probably the next biggest market after China. Maybe so for all goods. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's on worldwide goods. We're sending to China, and look, we do export to China. I mean, I mean, China. China is one of our biggest markets. But now. why are we sending Eamon Ryan there then? Yeah. 
But I mean, he's he is he is the one of the three. I mean, if you look at the most three three most senior people in the doll, you have you know uh, Leo Radker, uh, Eamon Ryan, and Michal Martin. So they're the but most three most senior people. The agriculture minister. Well, to no, because it, it, who says it's agricultural to China? But sure, it's we, not. But that's that's our biggest export to China would be agriculture. No, I mean, but, but a grow, biggest but growing export market. in China is actually baby milk powder. That yes, is the I biggest understand export that. To China. Along along with with uh, technology stuff that we will be buying from them, and then and and exporting some like there are some of our exports go out there as well so i think it's it's a level of seniority if we if we send the, our third most but senior we person send the minister with the expertise no, in that the mo- area it's, it, no what you forget about the middle east or the far east it's all about um face and and it, the person who goes there and their seniority in 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 the far east that's a huge i mean i've done a lot of work out there it's about your seniority so the most senior person so it, it's a it's a level of Respect as they would see it, that the that the third most senior person in our doll, who is a member of of the party, is going to China, well, and that's a level of respect. The we're biggest seeing. part of our market, though, is in the dairy yeah, the, and the beef. Yeah, industry. but I mean, that's, but you're but you're focusing that. on that. But we're trying to grow markets. That market is part of that, and the trade delegation that would there's a big trade delegation will go with that, which will be the experts in that area. But this is about a. I mean, it is about relationships and building relationships with different countries. But it is a junk. There's not very much going to be built over St. Patrick's uh, Day weekend. Uh, and also, Eamon Ryan, who was, you know, stopping people cutting turf, he's going to the biggest pollutant, you know, in the world. It, it kind I, mean, I, of I mean, I don't I don't disagree. I mean, China, China, China is that. I mean, China is a huge issue. I mean, China is a huge problem on, on an bunch of fronts, both, I mean, environmentally, security, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's the, it's con- the, way, the, the, the the way of the human rights. I mean, China is a huge issue, and I think and it's costing us all our way of life in rural yeah, Ireland. No, you know, yeah. because we're being made, you know, reduce cattle numbers and mm-hmm. do all sorts of ridiculous things that isn't going to make a difference to the environment. We're only a blip in the ocean. Yet China, you know, we're going to go and bow to, you know, the Chinese for a weekend. It won't. I don't think. But if I they, if they, if they come and buy an extra billion euros worth of business from Ireland, but you I know, don't people, think people, people, people gloss over that. I mean, uh, money talks. China will come if China wants to come. The same with, say, all these different countries. They're but not going to come because I mean, we go for we, St. We Patrick's you know, Day. You know, the, one of the biggest, one of the biggest scheme, the scheme in relation to the, the golden passports, which I think was a bit of a ridiculous. ridiculous yeah, yeah, China, China was the biggest portent of, of people who actually and benefited from that. And they've all pulled out of it. There's hotels all over this country that they invested in. And no, no, ta- I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the scheme which was more recent in the relation to the COVID, yeah. the po- yeah. passport, okay. which was where you had to invest either uh, four hundred thousand or five hundred thousand or a million, depending on the particular circumstances. Um, now, we got in a couple of billion in relation to that from them, but it was China who were, who were the main proponent or the main beneficiaries of that. You can argue whether that's good or bad, but I mean, still, Ireland got in a, a couple of billion at a time when we were short of money. Money talks. I mean, the unfortunate, the unfortunate thing about this is worldwide money talks. And, and I mean, and, and part and of that the, doesn't make the it dub- right, though. No, no, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying the double face of us all is that, you know, we deal, we deal with countries who we would probably not be necessarily your best friends with you know but we do it because it, it, it's beneficial overall to the country but is and it coming at a cost uh, yes and the no it is it is just just to say there i didn't expect it to go down this road but <laughs> we're talking about uh, ministers going abroad and beef exports so while you were chatting there for a second i took a 
quick chance to check up on it. Mm. Beef exports to America halved last year, and there was mm. complaints by the Irish farmers that you know they weren't getting into the markets they were promised to get. I also found that it's the biggest, biggest but is that then not very important? I also found that the biggest, the biggest uh, beef export market in Ireland is the Russian Federation. Oh wow! Yeah. You know, so the war, the war that's happened in Russia has been the biggest, uh, the biggest problem with the beef export market at the moment. So maybe we should be looking for peace talks in the Ukrainian war if we're worried about the beef market and not worried about and not worrying about sending guys on junkets but that's the reality look there's both there's going to be both sides of the story there is so you do, so i mean like so if you can if you can ex- increase our exports to russia which is a which is a dictatorship and well, promoting war I'm you're saying, happy with that i'm saying if you know, if we're going to if we're going to base junkets on whether or not we can export beef maybe we're going in the wrong direction but i mean i never said about exporting beef i said junkets are about totality of business within the economic sector in ireland that's the most important part of it. Yeah, but what we're also saying is, is look, we, I think we can all agree a certain amount of a certain amount of of trade visits are fine, but the vast majority of trade work in this country is done by the IDA. It's not done on a three day three day trade trip around. Um, yeah, but what you forget is that, March. Well, what you, But what I'm saying, Mark, is is like it's not going to make a huge amount of difference. But the 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 optics of it. The op- there's people listening here to the three of us probably arguing and uh, Alison is probably banging her head as well listening to us arguing because they hear the same they hear the same argument every single year and if we come back in 12 months time we'll probably be talking about the same thing again there's an awful lot of people struggling to put oil into their into their, into their um, tanks to put petrol into their cars and they don't like the optics of seeing the Attorney General flying for a junket to Argentina and that's yeah, the reality. I mean I agree with the Attorney General I can't see the point of the Attorney General but yeah. I mean the, the, the rest of them I mean I think I think they have uh, they think it's, it's warranted Okay, we'll leave it there. I have to take an ad break. We're back after this. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Welcome back to Tip Today. Even though the row continues in the background, we're going to move topic. Now, it's the, the Nicola Bully case in the UK. It's attracted global media attention, and it's been so bad even that police have had to arrest amateur sleuths in the area, breaking into houses and appealing for people to stay away from the area. Now, it's not the first time that we've seen incidents like these, and of course, you only have to have a quick look on YouTube and Netflix uh, to kind of go down rabbit holes of videos relating to true crime. But what is our obsession with being an armchair detective. Alison, if I start with you on this, do you are you a fan of true crime, first of all? Yeah, I like true crime. Um, I suppose everyone thinks they can be a detective. It's that kind of, oh, would I spot this or I'd spot that? And, oh, sh-, you know, you, like people, I suppose it's the, the thrill of it to a degree. Um, and I suppose maybe there's a... a a genuine kind of cause for solution as well that people are looking for but I definitely think if you asked if you did a survey of 100 people they'd all say that they were into it you know or 90 plus percent I just think it's innate in us you know say people they love like when back in the day when there was no Netflix and that and it was like CSI on a whatever night on RTE I'd say it was probably one of the most watched TV programs because it's escapism too yeah um but is there a problem maybe we we don't personalise the person? I mean, you look, everyone has a theory on Madeleine McCann. Mm. Everyone has a theory on, on Nicola Bully now, which is the latest one. So is there a fear, maybe, Mark, that we depersonalise people by doing that? 
Um, I think it is. Yeah, I think I think you do. I mean, it, it becomes like you're part of the TV a story. show. Like yeah. I mean, you know, I think you no know, procedural crime dramas. I mean, before we had the uh, true crime. I mean, they were huge. I mean, we, people would watch them, and they'd, now and you'd be watching it through it. I mean, I mean, all the, the current ones that are, are on. Then, if you look at the majority of things coming out, it seems to be some kind based on procedural, you know, crime or whatever. Um, I think the true crime. I think it's 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 a genre now that you can get into because you know the, the like access to the internet and, the, and Netflix and and the podcasts and all these which are, where the media is much more open or or you have access to information has certainly made true crime much more uh, to the fore. Depersonalizing it, yeah, it does really, doesn't it? Mm. Because I mean, you 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 can be part of this, you know, uh, you know, or perceived to be. Oh, I'll try this out, and I mean, but I mean, I think there has been two or three those podcasts which have actually been Solved. successful yeah. in solving because now you have have all these people involved and now you have the was it the DNA more recently the DNA from ancestry yeah, the type State of killer yeah, was, was one was, that was traced back through, yeah, yeah back through the DNA from ancestry people who are giving their DNA and, and went back so I mean yeah, I mean the avenues for police and I suppose it's like um, crowdsourcing you know investigations but with that brings it, the, the problem of you know people you know turning up at crime sites and yeah. you know that which I think is a very dangerous mm. direction. I mean, I think you have to leave, you know, researching crime and prosecution of crime to the experts. Really, no people when that when they do it have they? I mean, was it crime? Was it crime call? Was it what was that? Was what was that the video thing or used to be an RTE? Was yeah, that crime, crime call? Yeah, yeah, crime where they, where they, yeah, where they had where they put it out and they had the videos and you kind of do you know this person? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but, that, but it's been dramatized massively. I yeah, think the media have yeah. a huge say part to play in this, and like we're. You pick up any of the rags, you know, from the Independent to the Times to, you pick up any of them, and it's everything's opinion based now. We're getting very little factual information. Sensationalist, completely. Whereas it's driving an agenda all the time, and people are buying into it. And you're, you know, you're there trying to get actual factual information. It's gone very difficult to get factual information. Yeah, the amount of opinion pieces. And, it, you know, like, and it's kind of made for more wokeness, I suppose, as well. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think the media need, they, they're, it's impossible to rein them in. But I think, you know, they got the police in relation to Nicola Bully and giving out information about the menopause and that her drinking. Crazy. That was scandalous. Mm. Because the thing is, it's fine, you know, you're investigating from your couch, you know, looking at something. But that family are going through torture. What, you know, and people have, you know, unless they bring, people become more empathic and bring it back to themselves and go, well, if I was in this situation, whereas people aren't thinking like that, they're going, oh my God, and there was only 10 minutes and the phone was left here. And they, that's not information that the general public need to know in the first place. Yeah. And it kind of creates, you know, say a hysteria for people to go down and they all want to check this farm shed that, you know, was had been checked three times. But the information shouldn't be there for people in the first place. That should all be kept behind closed doors. We now need to know everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, Liam, what is that about? Was it always there? Is it just we have access to more information now, so we're able to get it, so we're hungry for more and more all the time? It's always been there. Yeah. Um, I remember studying this in college. We like to be thrilled from a place of safety. It's mm. one of the reasons we get up on roller coasters. It's one of the reasons why, you know, we do things that we consider dangerous, but at the end of the day, we go down slides, but we, we expect to feel safe at the end of it. If you want to go back to probably one of the first really um, 
publicised cases like this, you can go back to Jack the Ripper. Yeah. You know, the newspapers in London at the time of the Jack the Ripper killings knew that people bought the newspapers when they had sensationalist headlines. Uh, it was something that I was really disgusted about, but I could understand in it. Um, but the Evening Herald about 15 years ago came out and they admitted that every time they put a story about Joe Riley on the front of their newspaper in the evening time, if you remember the Joe Riley case yeah. in, in Navin, their sales that evening went up by 10%. We're talking here about Netflix and we're talking here about CSI. I can remember um, in my grandmother's house seeing magazines, true crime magazines. You can still get them. We want to be close to something dangerous without feeling, without being in danger ourselves. Mm. Um, if you talk about the sensationalism, everybody knows what Ted Bundy looks like. Yeah. But nobody knows what Ted Bundy's victims look like. Yeah. Do you know, uh, one of the biggest um, Netflix, one of the biggest Netflix, uh, two, sorry, two of the biggest Netflix programs in the past couple of years Dammer. was the one about Dahmer there a couple of weeks, couple of months ago and before that and Making a Murderer if any of you remember Making a Murderer yeah. and that went through the case and everybody had an opinion the cops did this wrong and they couldn't have done that and he couldn't have done this uh, you'd have to understand that these things are made to sensationalise like you're talking about CSI nobody solves a murder in an hour it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how, on TV it doesn't matter how many fantastic and, and we see all these computer graphics pop up and then you meet a forensic a forensic scientist yeah. who tells you that they spend six months looking at different fibres from carpets to figure out what was the right one it's not as sexy in real life and I think I think they actually there was a forensic scientist on the late issue a couple of years ago who said that CSI was the cause of a lot of youngsters going into forensic science from their leaving cert then realising that you know what do you do I work in a port cabin out the back of the yeah. guard headquarters and I look at fibres um, but that's that's part of it like I said you go back to the Jack the Ripper thing and it almost felt like the more sensational we made the crime scene yeah see seem the more people wanted to know about it and we're voracious for taking in information and now we have so many parts of information and we have the newer one the, the, the Twitter sphere the social media sphere where before we got the information from the general newspapers now we can get it from wherever we like everywhere and, yeah. like, and, and people can justify it any headbanger can make a video nowadays and, and purport a theory and then some other headbanger can go oh yeah but no, somebody said that so you know, it's, it's out there with it's, kids yeah. my 8 year old yeah. is a big YouTuber now and he'll come yeah. to me and say did you know ma'am the, the earth is like really flat yeah like oh no, no, no. <laughs> but, but, but he has but the, those children have somebody who can say it is and come up with some half concocted idea yeah. that that's it and it's believable and that's it uh, on, on the other thing that, that particular case you, no, yeah, that you spoke it. about there was no need to give the information that yeah. was given by the guards that was terrible it was terrible for her family it was terrible for the woman herself and her friends but yeah true crime we love it because we, we, like to be, we like to be in danger and we'll keep loving it our panel for this morning Mark, Alison and Liam thanks so much for joining us thanks Dem on the phones and for your calls and texts coming into the show Fran is back with you on Monday from 9am until then have a great weekend Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.